as we start every show out, big sales, Super Bowl week. Must be disappointing for a lot of teams who thought they'd be in this ball game on Sunday. Philadelphia, no exception. Buffalo has to be in that conversation. Um, Baltimore, who do you think is more disappointed not being in that game on Sunday? Baltimore, Philly, or Buffalo, or Dallas? I don't really think the Dallas Cowboy fans deep down inside thought they were going to that game. That's just a hunch. Because, you know, Dallas Cowboy fans, you know, they're kind of like Eagle fans. Something always hits. Something always happens. Okay? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going like, you know, hey, you know, who's really the most disappointed? Eagles, Baltimore, Buffalo. Tone says Baltimore definitely feeling it most. Man, if anything, I thought for sure they were going too. I think we started waning that Eagles are going to make it to the Super Bowl probably after what? Seattle? We started doing this, right? I don't know. Right? After Seattle, we started doing this. I don't know. Okay? Oh, I did have a nice time with Bill Calarulo today. I thought Bill and I hit on some stuff that was important. By the way, I'm going to hit on it here. In a second. And believe it or not, I'm going to give your boy, Chepetto Howie Roseman, some amazing love here. And when you see what teams have to do this offseason to rebuild, are the Eagles in that bad a spot? We're going to get to that here in a second. No, but I had Bill and I went back and forth like two Italians, two guys at the barbershop sitting there talking about sports. Never coming into an agreement. That's kind of what paisans do. You ever been to an Italian? Or as my good friend Jerome Brown used to say, the barbershop down in Overtown, you get some heat. What do you mean, Rocky Marciano? <laughs> Joe Lewis is the greatest. What do you mean, Rocky Marciano? That, that, that kind of, you know, conversation. So it's always good. To, I, I, I love those conversations. I used to have a barbershop down in South Florida down there that we used to go to all the time. Absolutely, man. One of the best places in overtime to get your hair cut. And we get in there, man. We start talking Canes and FSU and Gator football. And it was always great conversation. So we, we, we had a good convo. And, you know, just to go back a little bit on Jason Kelsey's conversation that he had. Let me show you why it's impossible to get rid of Jason Kelsey, and you should beg him to come back this year. So let me get this right. You had struggles with the blitz. You're getting a new offensive approach. You're getting a brand-new offensive coordinator. Don't you want the most experienced center in the National Football League to make that transition to a new coordinator and to new blocking assignments and new terminology? Wouldn't you want the most experienced center in pro football back? Or would you really want to break in an offensive coordinator and a new center at the same time worrying about picking up blitz, blitz pickups and blitz packages? See, one thing he did, though, 
he came from the money angle, which is never a wrong angle to come from. Because when you talk NFL, you have to start at the money. You can't start at the player. Okay, so I want to show you something here. Here's some of the NFL cap projections for teams as they get ready to rebuild their teams. And it looks like now that number is going to be a little bit higher than projected. $242.5 million is going to be the salary cap. Who would have ever thought that the salary cap is going to be approaching like a half a billion dollars soon? You're, you're here at a quarter of a billion dollars almost when it comes to the salary cap. That's incredibly great for the league, for the players. Uh, bigger contracts. I love the fact that today's players are making more money. That's wonderful. Everyone should stand on the shoulders of everyone who built this league, and I think that's a great thing. And I look down at the top 10 teams. Here's teams that are going to get better. Now, again, brand-new ownership with Josh Harris. Josh Harris has the most salary cap space, $83.5 million. He's going to be able to go out into the open market and do pretty much anything he wants to do. He's going to look at certain players that are out there, high-end players like Josh Allen with the Jags, and he's going to be able to offer them big money. He could offer T. Higgins, put him on the other side of Terry McLaurin. Um, he can offer, do you bring back Kirk Cousins? I'm not sure. But that's not a horrible thought to give you a chance to win. Um, they have a lot of autonomy. And inside that building, will they make the right choices and will they spend the money and will they spend the 83.5 when it comes to rebuilding the football team? So of all the teams in the NFC East, Washington, at least financially, is sitting in the best space. They're in the best space of any team in the NFC East. Again, got to make the right choices. Just because you have the most money usually means you suck. And you spent poor money after poor money. So I'm not saying they're doing things right. All I'm saying is this new regime has a chance to start off on a good note. Okay? The second team. Doesn't it show you here all the teams with new... Look at this. The top three teams with the number one cap space. And this is why Bill Belichick didn't get a job. Is Washington, Tennessee, and New England. Do you think that's a coincidence? And they were all young coaches who got those jobs. Tennessee's at 73-9, and New England's at 69-8. What does that tell you? They weren't going to allow a coach to make complete decisions with that kind of money that's out there on the table, because you know why? Those experienced coaches would have went into the free agent market and spent a lot of that money on bringing players into their organization. You see right there? There's the control factor. Washington, new coach. Tennessee, new coach. New England, new coach. Shit, Houston's fourth. They're in a great place. But Nick Casario runs the draft. Think about that. One year removed from being hired, D'Amico Ryans. And the other three have brand new young head coaches who don't have any control over the roster whatsoever. The organization does. It's control from the top. That's why these big-name guys like Vrabel and Belichick and Carroll didn't get jobs. So this is not just a Philadelphia Eagle deal that Howie runs the room. 
This has now become infected all over the league that front offices think they can win Super Bowls from their desk. Case in point. Check it out here. You either have a brand new coach or a first-year coach in the top five. Shane Steichen, Indianapolis is fifth, 66-3. Shit, Chris Ballard's going to run the draft, and he's going to keep an eye on Jim Irsay's money. I think Indianapolis is in a good place. I think Tennessee um, might be. We'll see who they get at quarterback, but definitely Houston and Indianapolis are in a great place. They had a winning record, and they got a lot of cap space, 66-3, 65-6. This is really good. You're looking at teams that are going to be viable and moving forward. This is how you look at who's going to be good this coming 24 season, who's got the cap space, and who wins with the cap space. This usually means good drafting and good coaching. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is this too above your head? Because some of this is a little bit kind of in the weeds a little bit here. This is going to tell you and give you an idea on who's going to be good this coming season if they make the right moves. I'm not calling you guys stupid, but some of this stuff, I get lost in it sometimes. Okay? I think the Houston Texans, of any team in the top 10, in my opinion, I think they got the brightest future of any team in the league right now. Look at Detroit. Now, Detroit, that number is going to change because they got to make a decision on Jared Goff. Are you How much are you going to pay him? I mean, how much are you going to give Jared Goff? Are you going to give him a $40 million contract over three years per? Probably. Arizona's at 44-8. What are they going to do? By the way, we're going to talk about Arizona here, how it impacts the Eagles here in a second. We're going to get to the topics. Then you got the you got the Rams at 43-3. First time I've seen the Rams in this list. And I'll tell you what, Sean McVay and all those guys that work in that front office, I mean, they got really good people. Les Snead, those guys are good folks on moving money around and signing people. I think the Rams are trending up. Kevin Demoff, Les Snead, those are good people that ended up winning a Super Bowl a few years ago. I want to make a point to you on something about your quarterback. By the way, your quarterback and his cap hits are exceptional. And really, Jalen's money is not an impact, I don't think, when it comes to building your team. It's just the amount of money he's paying. And I think that is what Howie is more concerned with, is that you're paying a guy like Jalen Hurts that kind of money, $50 million starting in March as an annual salary, or collectively as a salary. That's a big number. But I want to show you something here. I just mentioned teams that have great cap space. Tell me what all these teams have in common. The Cleveland Browns are $20 million in the negative or in the red in cap space. $20 million in the red. The LA Chargers are 44 million in the red. The Buffalo Bills are 51 million in the red. The Dallas Cowboys 
are 14-6 in the red. And the Baltimore Ravens are $827,000 in the red. What do all these teams have in common? What do all those teams have in common? Cleveland, the Chargers, Buffalo, the Cowboys, and Baltimore. What do they all have in common? And they're all in the red in their salary cap. They have no money to spend. That means players are getting cut. That means high-end guys are going to have to be moved. That's right. The quarterback's money affected them to a point where you have to lose quality players. That's why if here, I'll tell you what the Eagles did that to me, these other teams don't do. And I got to ask you this on Jalen's contract. Do you think they really did a, a solid to Hertz by giving him that contract or did they give that contract because they were looking more at the, Ability to have the latitude to move the cap around, giving him the money up front. Now, look, you give $50 million to anybody. I saw that, Hollywood. We're going to talk about that a little later in the program. Do you think they did that? Because it's a team-friendly deal. I think, what is it now? He's got four years and they can ha- they can opt out of it or something like that? Or is it three years that they can opt out of that contract and they can get out of it? So they decided to give him the money up front. Was that strategically done for them? It was. And I think the payoff for the clutch people in Nicole was that they gave him the no trade. So that he can control his own destiny. You have to have trade-offs in something like that. Because these other teams aren't buying into their quarterback. I mean, when you're $44 million in a hole, and in the red, and you just gave Justin Herbert that money, and Justin Herbert's money has affected your cap almost to $50 million on a $240 million cap. Players have to be cut. Are you going to bring Boza back? Who, 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 who's not coming back? Mike Williams? Jesus Christ, you just gave a quarterback all that money. Now you got to start taking pieces away because you didn't really buy into giving him a lot of money up front, or the money you did up front, which you did, you didn't structure the cap hits. You got to give it to the Eagles here because they went like this. Hey, you could either pay for the cap hits at the end or at the beginning. What do you want to do? And you don't have to pay for it at all if you give the kid a lot of money. I really looked at it that this was strategically done by them in a way in a way that there was no doubt about it that the Philadelphia Eagles did a great job at looking at it both ways. Let's give them the money. Hey, man, let's give them the money. Let's give a lot more money and maybe some more money up front where it's not going to assassinate us like the rest of these these clubs are. You know, I thought the Chargers were going to go forward. No way. You got you to gotta take some great players off your football team. Remember, bums don't make money in the NFL. The great players do. You're going to lose Joey Boza. You're going to lose certain guys on that team. Cleveland, you're $20 million in the hole. Who are you cutting? Amari, Amari Cooper again? Who, who are you going to cut? Some of your secondary guys? There's a couple pro bowlers there. Who are you cutting? 
You've got it. Dude, you need $18 million just for your draft. Who are you cutting? Dude, when it comes to money, here, I guess where I'm going with this. When it comes to money, Howie Roseman does a great job with that salary cap, at least in giving him some latitude to move around. Here, here's the point. Now, look, you know, his draft is killing him, though. If Howie hit on half of the draft picks at a higher rate, he'd have the best balance of cap space and wins of any general manager in the league. Here, Washington has the most in the East at 83-5. The Giants are second at 26-8. They're probably going to get more because Barkley's not coming back. And the Eagles are at 20.8 right now when it comes to salary cap. Okay? 18 of that is going to be allocated towards your draft. So you get $2.5 million probably for the upcoming draft. Now, re renegotiating is going to go on, obviously. You're probably going to go into free agency with some type of space of $30 million. Okay? Something in there, or $25 million, which means you're not going to have a lot of mo movement. But the quarterback is not – the point, the quarterback's not killing you like these other teams. Jalen Hurts' contract has no impact on this at all. I thought kind of it did. But, you know, I mean, maybe just in a paycheck, when you see that large amount of money, the owner wants more results. And he should. You're paying a guy $50 million, He should give you $50 million with a return on investment. And that's kind of more of it. what I think it is. Am I getting my money's worth? And get this. Jeffrey Lurie's more on the line with his quarterback than any other guy out there, I think. He gave him that money. You know, you think about it. Owners in Buffalo, there's a lot of strings attached here. You got $51 million in dead money right now, basically. You're in the red with $51 million. Jeffrey Lurie's got to look at Jalen Hurts and go, hey, son, you got to play now. My ass is on the line. I gave you the money. And guess what? I could cut your ass. You got like three years to get this thing right. And if you don't win a Super Bowl in three years, I'm moving off you, kid. I would personally say Jalen Hurts is three years to prove he's a starting quarterback for the future after that for a second deal. Or third deal, technically. Do you agree? He's got three years. To prove he can win a Super Bowl. That's a lot of pressure on coaches, organizations. You can't get it wrong here. Because look at the amount of work you have to do. Okay? Hertz will get it done next year. Okay? Like I told Bill today, personally, if you're making Jalen Hurts a drop-back quarterback without the threat of what he had, in my opinion, and the majority of the success that he had in passing. And you could tell me since 2022, he's this or that in the pocket. Majority of those great numbers were built up in 22, not 23. Okay, that's for damn sure. Okay, that's, that's not, he, he built that equity up with the 22 season. So when people combine seasons and say, hey, since 22, He's this in the pocket. He was the worst in the blitz.
Well, you know, his completion percentage. And he can't pick blitzes up or see blitzing, especially internal blitzing. Yo, is that the old line? It's all of it. Throw the ball away, Jalen. Throw it in the stands. An incomplete pass sometimes is just as effective as a complete pass. You know, I think that's really sometimes hard to get across like people like Shador Sanders at Colorado. Son, throw it in the stands. Live to play in another play. Don't throw picks. Don't turn the ball over. Throw it in the stands. Throw it to Sirianni on the sidelines. Incomplete passes are okay. That's why you have special teams. Brady knew that because Brady's ego wasn't like these guys of today. Throw it in the stands. Throw it in the stands. Throw it in the stands. Check down, check down, check down, check down. Throw it in the stands. Check down, check down. Six Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls later, Tom Brady goes, hey, I want being the check down dude and throwing it out of bounds. Jalen has one defensive stop away from winning the Super Bowl in his second season as a starter. I have nothing but faith in him. Still got a, still got work to do. Um, Yeah, played a great game. Jalen Hurts has not played a better game since the Super Bowl. 2017, that one game superseded that game. Jalen Hurts hasn't played a game like that in a whole year. He's had some decent games, but he hasn't had a game like that because they got away from that. That's a question I have here. Why are the Eagles changing him? And I'm even more convinced now he'll never win a Super Bowl. One, I don't like the style of dual threat like that. And I don't think he's was drafted to be a pocket guy. And someone goes like this, well, he can develop into being – so we're going to have on-the-job training. I want a guy who's got arm talent to win me a Super Bowl. I, I want an arm talent guy. And what made Hurts unstoppable was the factor of the threat. As I told you, I fear Jalen Hurts more than any quarterback last year in the league outside of Mahomes because he had that aspect of dual threat. When that guy, I'm telling you, I... It was never – hey, some of the best passes I saw him make, like in the Chicago game in 22 when he got injured and he threw that ball over the guy's shoulder right in the breadbasket, I was like this. That's a great pass. I even think that was an incompleted pass. But he is getting better. He's still a couple of years away from being a prolific passer. That's for dang sure. Prolific? I don't know if he'll ever get to prolific. Could he get to really good? Okay. He's going to have high turnovers this year. The less you run the ball, the more turnovers he will have. That's a prediction. It's not a fact. You guys are all under the assumption he's going to have less. I don't know why you would think that because you don't know, and I don't, because we've seen three different Jalen Hurts. It's, it's not a fair assessment that he's going to get better. And it's not a fair assessment he's going to get worse. So what does that tell you? We're still in a wait and see on this guy. When I look at Mahomes or I look at guys like Burrow and I see the 
the talent that they have, and they're starting to do it consistently. Let me show you something here about Jimmy. Let me let me show you something here about um, Brock Purdy. I know most of you in here think that um, that Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy enters the Super Bowl four and one in the postseason, two NFC Championship games, one title, and now he's in the Super Bowl and only his. Uh, what is it, 25th start, 24th start? I mean, where, what are we going here? What are we talking about? Look at the talent he has. I know. As we mentioned yesterday, look at the talent Hurts has. You can't, you can't make that comparison any longer. Garoppolo is in a place now where, get this, and plus he's got a great play caller. You yet to be determined. Let's do that. Okay. I'm just saying he's four and one. Brock Purdy's four and one in the playoffs. But because you don't like the guy, because he was the last player taken in the draft, and you think your guy's better. Well, I'll tell you what, in his first two years versus Hertz's first two years. I don't believe there's a comparison. I don't. Brock Purdy is further along than Hertz was, even after his MVP type season. He's four and one. He's four and one. His resume can't be disputed. <laughs> Tell us correction sales. We hate him because he's a Niner. You know, this Niner hatred is starting to all I said almost rival the Cowboys. It will never, but it's kind of right there now. I always thought it used to be the Giants. Okay, but now it's the 49ers. Okay. Seals. You just like talking. Well, Des, what, is, what has Jalen Hurts done more than what Purdy's done the last two years? What's he done? Why are you changing Jalen? You're getting away from who he's. This is my problem that I have with the way you're going to coach this kid. I think you're going to destroy him. My personal takeaway is the hiring of Kellen Moore will be further example of the Eagles trying to change something and you have buyer's remorse. I'm not doing anything to change that kid because in 2022, he was a weapon. In 2023, he was a turnover machine. And if you think he's going to become Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen in the pocket, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. Josh Allen needs to run to make himself effective. And they're not doing anything up there to stop him. Why are you changing him? You, did you not like what you saw? How could you go from that to what you went to in 23? Make sense of it for me. Just Hey, how about this? Just make sense of it. 
well, Jandler, I want you to throw the ball 140 more times or 120 more times, making harder throws with no backs that can block and a coordinator that has no experience. How did you go there from 22 to that? Because you thought Jalen would have this massive leap still because it was the intangible of the player. Well, the intangible of the player and the coach couldn't overcome the shitty results and the shitty circumstances on the team. The more I get away from 23 season, the more I believe he was hurt all year, but it wasn't being reported. You know, Tom, I don't believe that. Now, I think he was, I think he was hurt early in the year, but I saw him running around at that uh, Pro Bowl thing, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Mate, hey, I, I'm not – hey, anytime a player's injured, I'm not going to sit here and go, but I don't know. He was never on the IR but just a couple few times. So I don't know. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and put conjecture on that, that the guy was banged up. I think it was a fundamental decision to throw the ball more and throw harder plays. Dude, there were so many examples. If you go back and watch his, his execution that he made the harder throw and he was told where to throw the ball. Jalen Hurts is being told where to throw the ball. They're coaching him like a college coach would coach him, not a pro coach. I know you're not making excuses, Tone. I get it. I get it. No, I, I get it. He's going like, Sills, I'm trying to find what you're asking here. Why are they changing him? It just doesn't make sense. You have this very gifted player and Jalen Hurts. You have this super gifted player in this kid. And it's like this. It, it, it It's such an ego boost for these guys to try to expand his game. Tone said that yesterday. They want to, you know, Jalen should be expanding his game. Okay? Debo Samuel says 49ers-Eagles isn't a rivalry. I consider rivalries close games. Debo likes talking. Hey, you want to hear a stat about Debo? But Debo Samuel's not on the field for the Niners. They lose 30%. They lose uh, 70% of their ball games. How's that for you? I mean, okay. I mean, let me let me let me put it let me put it out here to you here. I just for them to get away from twenty two, and when you're the hiring of Kellen Moore is not an RPO dude. He's not he's not really an RPO guy because he's never coached a guy like that. That's not an RPO guy. Justin Herbert wasn't really an RPO guy. Now you're going to be. He's not going to be coaching another RPO guy. They don't want him to be an RPO. And I heard something. Did I hear it with you guys, Tone, with you and Rob? You guys are saying that the offensive line, um, is it overrated? No. Taking the RPOs out of the offensive line hurt them too. Think about it. When you got a run pass option, okay, I saw that death row. Thank you. Um, when you got a run pass option and you're a linebacker, 
You're froze. Are they going to run it? Are they going to pass it? You're froze. When you see a guy drop back, you're back in your coverage. You're not going to make a frozen step. Or you're not going to make a false step. You're not, which means you're not going to be playing from behind. Which means what when you're in a pass rush situation? Dude, it's third and long. They're not running RPOs. Pinning our ears. Going. No back second block. Blitz a guy. Can't pick it up. Quarterback struggle seeing it. Makes everyone look like shit. No, we didn't say that. We asked if the O-line had a good year or down year when it came to blitz. I blame the running back. Yeah, but what yeah, but I'm expanding on that tone. I'm saying that they didn't really have a bad year. They had a year where they were adjusting because of the lack of the approach. When it came to not having the RPOs in the offensive game game set and it hurt them too. Remember something. Like I said, when you give the element a surprise away, what does the RPO do? You don't know what he's going to do. You took the element of, of surprise away from Jalen Hurts this year. That's did it 22. How about this one? Didn't it didn't it in 22? Everyone looked like they were playing a step slower than Jalen Hurts. And everyone at 23 looked like they were playing a step ahead of Jalen Hurts. Why do you think that is? I'll do a friendly wager for 100 Super Chat that Jalen finishes number three in voting next year. Dez. Um, Dez. Okay. I'll take it. Jalen Hurts may have a decent year. Yeah, I think you're wagering. I'm not going to hold you to it. Here's why. Unless Jalen Hurts can play corner, you're not going to win a lot of games. And people that don't win a lot of games don't win MVPs. You're also assuming then that Jalen will be in the top three because why? You're 14 and two or 14 and three. You think you got a 14 and three defense? Unless he can play corner or safety or linebacker, he ain't finishing no top three. I don't give a shit what kind of numbers he puts up. If he puts up numbers and you're a seven-win team, <laughs> he ain't going to finish in the top 20. So this is a team sport, dude. MVPs don't finish with under 500 records in the top three. Okay. Name me one. I mean, losing records matter in that voting and quarterbacks matter and got it. Top three. It's not happening. Because you don't have the defense to make that happen. If you were stout on that side of the ball, I'd be like, okay, that's that could be something that could happen. But you're not. I mean, you're getting killed by Drew Locke. Seals, to be honest, this defense is going to take two years to fix. Yeah. Year and a half. At, at minimum, year and a half. 
Okay, year and a half. Okay. Let's see here. Last four games, two and two with no major points difference. Check it out. I don't know what that means. Um, I want to see Jalen 2022. Teresa, me too. Dude, Teresa, excuse me. Let me say this to you, Teresa. You put Jalen Hurts 2022 and you keep fundamentally expanding his game off that 22 season. He could be better than Lamar Jackson. And you know what they're trying to do in Baltimore? They're expanding Lamar Jackson's game so that he could play, as Tone and I were talking yesterday, like a 10, 15-year career. Fantastic. But when he gets into the playoffs, he's not relying on the things that make him great. He's not a pocket passer. When Lamar Jackson has to throw the ball 47 times, he'll never win a playoff game. That's not who he is. Okay? I hope we get... Van Conkle, linebacker from Miami. He's great. Okay, Dirty D, that's, we get, we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. But think about this for a second. I'm going to use Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson in the same conversation. Watch this. When you, when, you're, when you ask a quarterback to throw the ball more, that skill set is dual threat. What are you going to get? Turnovers? Not a very good completion percentage? And you take the element of surprise away. That applied to the postseason for Lamar and Jalen's season. They're the same guy. Lamar Jackson had the same results in the postseason AFC title game as Jalen Hurts had all year. Did he not? 47 attempts. It was over. When I saw that number climbing up towards 35, I was like this. He's not winning. They're not winning. That's not who that guy is. You're getting away from being the guy that got him that MVP award during the season. It's like they want, they're rushing him in passing. Did they not? They panicked. The problem with Hurts was they were trying to do this shit on the fly all year. And I think teams were confused. Where is 22? By the time 11 game came, they went like this. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. They're not, he's not running. And he's going to one guy. It was clockwork. Lions didn't have a great defense this year and finished Three seed Eagles can build that type of D this year. <laughs> hey, Des. Okay. You're talking about a quarterback that in the last six years has thrown for 4,000 yards and a running game that did all kinds of things that were great. By the way, Aiden Hutchinson and their linebacker play, their secondary needs some work. There's no question. But their linebackers and their D front, not bad. I mean, it's not bad. Dude, you're losing. Hey, the Lions lost to the Niners. You lost to Seattle and Zach Wilson and Tyrod Taylor. It's one thing to lose to the Niners in the NFC title game. 
Come on, man. You could stop a cold. Sills, follow me here. You say all the time, unique Jalen Hurts is. Yes. Is it fair to say that finding unique OC for Hurts would prove more difficult? Exceptional question. Most of the prime candidates that were available dealt with more drop-back guys, not any unique, except for Cliff Kingsbury. That's the guy I wanted. Okay? But once again, the Eagles got in the way of hiring the right guy from what I'm being told. I'm being told by guys inside that building, Kingsbury wanted to bring in RPO coaches. Eagles didn't want to do it. Think about that. Eagles didn't want to do it. Kingsbury wanted the autonomy to bring his assistant coaches in because he had coached Mahomes and Kyler Murray, and he was the perfect coach for him because he had coached guys like that in college and in the pros. And they won 11 ball games. It's Arizona. Remember, you work for the Bidwells. It's like working for the Ursays or Tepper. It's a shitty organization. Don't hate his ass because the guy, the guy, hey, by the way, that view is awesome. I'm still there. Okay? Absolutely. Kingsbury was the guy, but guess it. Get this. Organization didn't want to give him control. Here's why Kingsbury didn't get the Vegas job. Here's why Kingsbury didn't get the Eagle job. It, it was this. He went in there and he said that I want to hire my guys and I want an extra year on my contract in Vegas. Raiders were hesitant to do both. Okay. Didn't work. So he goes to the Eagles. Have a great two interviews. Shit, man, everyone thought for sure that that deal was getting consummated. They may have even started drawing up the contract. Then when they started talking about position coaches, he's like, I want this type of coach. Then they started seeing the type of coaches he wanted to bring in. That was conducive to the 22 Hertz. And you know what the Eagles did? They balked. That's why I'm making these statements today. Cliff Kingsbury was going to be hired, but the Eagles balked because they want him to look more like 23 and a better version of 23 than 22. Never win a Super Bowl. He didn't get, guys, he didn't get paid. He wasn't your favorite player because of 23. He was your favorite player because of what he did in 22. I don't get it. They had the coordinator. They had the coordinator. But they didn't want to give the control. Once again, now again, I'll, I'll, I'll say this as an opinion. You hired the wrong coach. Two years in a row, and you think he's going to be an MVP candidate with a drop back OC. Might work. He might be unbelievable. I have to wait till September 6th in Brazil. Okay. Here's your organization getting in the way again. An organization. You want to bring in the right coordinator, but you don't want to give the coordinator the right toolbox. Because <laughs> you want to control the building. 
I mean, I, I, you guys are more optimistic than me. It's almost like these guys have are power hungry and like control hungry and nothing to do with football. It's just got nothing to do with football. This is like who has the bat and ball and if you don't play my way, I'm going to take my bat and ball and no one plays. It's like really childish. It's not an organization that has the best interest of moving forward. It just doesn't make sense. What is the deal with the goofy front office? It's control, dude. Draft a dual threat quarterback and expect him to just be an arm. If you want an arm quarterback, draft one. Thank you. Dude, you drafted a dual threat quarterback. Now you want him to be an arm. (laughs) He's not. He was benched in Alabama because of that. Hertz was a Southeastern Conference player of the year because he was a dual threat dude. That's totally the truth. Why are you doing this? You're messing this guy up almost as much as you messed up Wentz. Kingsbury was the guy. What does it tell me now that Cliff Kingsbury's being hired now as the offensive coordinator and Brian Johnson is now going to be working with the quarterbacks? What's that tell you? Washington's drafting a dual threat quarterback. Go and look at the draft, and what guy do you think, or are they making a trade for Justin Fields? It's either Justin Fields or a dual threat guy. Do you see that, right? Or no? Cliff Kingsbury's not going to coach a drop-back guy. Jaden Daniels. What's the draft pick? <laughs> Look at Jay laughing at Fields. Hey, hey, Jay, who's coaching Justin Fields? And who's he throwing the ball to? DJ Moore and what? And Matt Eberflus is his coach? You're kidding, right? I don't know if Justin Fields sucks. He works hard. He's trying to get better. Name me a quarterback in the last 60 years. That was an all-pro quarterback in Chicago. Rex Grossman? Who? Who who, who does Chicago develop? It's a graveyard of quarterbacks. Fields had no chance of succeeding in Chicago. Maybe with Cliff Kingsbury. And by the way, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be running the entire offense, and dang, Quinn's going to be running the defense. That's why that hire is great. I think it's either him. I like the Jaden Daniels. What what pick does the Washington Commanders have this coming April? What's their pick? Because I think that's important. What's their pick? Because if it's a top 10 pick, I don't think Jaden Daniels is a top 10 dude. Oof, man, two or three for Jaden Daniels. Man, they got $83 million, and they got the second pick in the draft. Shit. 
They could get better fast. They could get better fast. Would you rather go into the draft? Is there any guy in the draft that you think is better than Justin Fields? I don't think Caleb Williams is better. I, I don't think he's better. Put Fields on Pittsburgh or Atlanta and see him soar. I think if you put him with Kingsbury, dude, you got to put the coaches in the right place with the player. So why didn't you hire Cliff Kingsbury? You had him. He wanted to hire the proper assistants for Hertz. They didn't want to do it. And I am saying this. This is what I've heard. They had Cliff Kingsbury in a contract, had him in a three-year contract to become the offensive coordinator of Philadelphia Eagles. Had two meetings with him. One with um, over the internet, and they did a video interview, and then they had an in-face interview, and everything was going great until they started talking to assistant coaches. And all of a sudden, that's when it started balking. He says, well, you got to – and get this, you don't have to tell anybody what your approach with Hertz is. All you have to show, don't you guys get it? The assistant coaches show you the direction of how you're going to run your defense and your offense by who you hire. Greg Roman was hired for what? To help Justin Fields or to help um, um, Justin Herbert more in open space and maybe in some design run plays. The play callers Jim Mc, Jim Harbaugh, he's the play caller. He's going to be the every down, 99% of the play calling. Greg Roman's going to be more of a guy that puts in design plays for him when it comes for him getting out in space. And just giving that other dynamic to kind of keep people honest. You see, that's not who Jalen is. You know, Tone, Tone's right. You work on your deficiencies too. Yeah, but you work at what you do best always okay michael jordan was a perimeter shooter you think he was working on rebounding or 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 like michael jordan is one of the michael jordan worked on defense do you know he's third all time in steals he worked on defense and shooting i mean that's who he was that's what he was defined by you think shaq worked on free throws Shaq never worked on free throws. He dunked it, and he was great on the box. And a rebounding mount, just they changed. Shaq changed the game. Offensive three-second rules because of O'Neal. I mean, Shaq and Wilt changed the way the space and the boxes. That's much of an impact O'Neal had. You, you you know you know this should just not to go off the reservation that much, but you know the top of the key where you guys make free throws. Do you know why it's circled? Does anybody know why it's circled? You have any idea? Because back in the day, Wilt used to take a running leap and lay it in like this, and he he couldn't shoot free throws, so Wilt would take a running start leap. And drop it in the bucket. NBA said, nah, no, I'm not going to do that. So they circled it. Stopping guys from doing that. 
Wilt changed the free throw line. Wilt changed the box. <laughs> That's called changing the game. When you got guys like that. All right, let's move on here. I've got three off-season targets here. I want to hear what you say on this. You know, I'm finding out a lot of new things here because I've got some good folks that are inside the organization now. This front office and management make being an Eagles fan infuriating. Tired of jokes, games, crap, draft picks, disappointment. It's beyond BS. Q. And you had Kingsbury. And you wouldn't let him hire his people. That's all you need to know about this organization. Isn't that infuriating to you? Doesn't that frustrate you? And get this. I don't care that guy's a dick. I care he's good. Too much emotion runs in the hiring practices in your building. And control. I don't want him because he's a cowboy. That's dumb. You weaken your opponent. You hire a good guy. Gives a shit. Nobody's loyal to anybody in this business. Man, I, I, sometimes when you guys talk like that, I'm like, really? You care that much about that shit? Totally not me. I could care less about that. Okay. I mean, wanted to hire his own assistants. And the Philadelphia Eagles said no. Nick Sirianni never hired any assistant coaches in his entire tenure as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's never hired a coach. Don't ever tell me that again, that he's hired a coach. He's never. And he's never fired a coach. He didn't have anything to do with the Desai um, demotion. He had nothing to do with it. He was told what to do. He's a complete puppet. I was on with Bill. Bill loves the guy. I don't think the guy, by the way, nothing personal. I don't know him from a can of paint. I could give a shit about him. Okay, seriously, personally, I don't care. I'm just telling you, that's not a coach. And don't compare him to a guy who, get this, the difference between if you guys want to compare Nick Sirianni to Mike Tomlin and to John Harbaugh, here's the stark difference between those two. Mike Tomlin has complete control of his coaching staff. And John Harbaugh does too. Nick doesn't. That's all you need to know. How can you be a CEO when you have no duties? You guys call. You guys call Nick Sirianni a CEO when he has no duties. I mean, how, what kind of gig is that? You know, Nick, Nick Sirianni is more like a consultant head coach. All right. I'll do this. Will I do this now? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this at the top of the, the hour here because it's off-season targets that I want to talk about here. It's college and pro. 
on how I think they have to get the football team better. But guys, one more time and one last time. And Tone, I hope we make a clip of this. The Philadelphia Eagles had Cliff Kingsbury signed almost to a contract to become the new offensive coordinator for Jalen Hurts. Kingsbury wanted to hire his assistant coaches, and the front office balked on it. Once again, you hired Kellen Moore to make him look like 2023, a better version, instead of the MVP year. My opinion, you're getting further away from what makes that kid great. I don't see it. I think you're getting further away from his skill set. And you're going to develop him into a passer? Good luck. Good luck. Wake me up when it happens. Well, Sills, last two years, yeah, 22, built a lot of that equity up. Not 23. And those massive turnovers. Being told where to go to the ball with the ball. You're right. If he doesn't have A.J. Brown out there, he ain't finding anybody. You take his biggest bullet away from him in his gun to strike fear. Jalen Hurts is not striking fear in anybody with his arm. He's striking fear with his ability as a unique ball player. He's not unique anymore. Well, they're making him not unique anymore. Were you, were you threatened with Hurts at all in the perimeter at all this year? Shit, every game at 22 that he played? This guy threw for over 300 yards in the Super Bowl and had almost 90 yards rushing. That 90 yards rushing is more valuable than the 300 yards passing because it creates open space and lanes because linebackers are frozen. Don't you understand one thing? When you watch the way the linebackers played in the NFC Championship game with the Niners, they were frozen in ice. This last regular season game, they ran to the football like their hair was on fire. Why? Because the threat wasn't there any longer. He, the threat wasn't there. They've taken the threat away. It's not that hard to say. By the way, your offensive line struggled. Oh, well, they're not going to run the ball. And they got away from running the ball. We're going to pin our ears back and blitz. Got to him. I had no answers. And you had a guy in Rashad Penny that was on the roster for no reason. I mean, dude, you should have fired Rashad Penny. Hired a guy who has no ability at running a ball but can block. Dude, I would have rather you've done this. Fired Rashad Penny. And signed another guard and lined a guard up back there as a running back or lined a tight end up to block for blitzes. Anybody that could pick it up. Dude, your backup tight end is useless. He's useless. <laughs> but you're going to throw the ball more. Okay. 
We're going to do some off-season targets here, here in a second. By the way, my friend Tone will join us at 3.30. Jason Cole will join us. We'll talk Super Bowl Sunday, get his thoughts on some of the moves. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What would you think of Zach Wilson as a backup quarterback in Philly? What would you think um, of having him as a backup for Jalen Hurts? Do I think Zach Wilson will ever be a starter in this league? No. No. I'm not looking for a starter. I'm looking for a guy who could start a game and help me out. Because if I go to my backup quarterback, there's very few Nick Foles stories 
that we can write home about when it comes to NFL history. Okay. Um, is Zach Wilson better than Marcus Mariota? Well, Zach Wilson won an opportunity to start. He'll still want an opportunity, but nobody's going to give him one. Now, it's such a quarterback-starved league. Could he go to a place like Atlanta? I don't know. Probably. Could he go to a place like Tennessee? Probably. Okay? Tyler Huntley's going to start in this league, and Tyler Huntley's a good player. Okay? Tyler Huntley is going to cost you some money, too. He's a good football player. Zach Wilson is a stopgap guy in case your guy gets nicked up. He He's a dude that, you know, you call in sick and someone shows up as a substitute teacher. Zach Wilson's a substitute teacher. Okay? Hunley is a player that could start in this league. Jared goes, Zach is trash. Well, Jared, what are you looking for at backup quarterback? Jalen Hurts? I mean, you're looking for a guy who could deliver the mail for you in case of emergency. You had a guy. You Hey, by the way, you guys called Gardner Mitchell garbage. He's a pro bowler now. You said he sucked, right? He's a pro bowler like your guy, Hurts. He, he's, he's a pro bowler. All right. I don't know. They need to do something at that backup quarterback position. Okay? <laughs> hey, please tell me. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Did, did any – you know, not that I will ever sit around – and cover the NBA trading deadline because, again, NBA talk, especially when it comes, I hate to do this to you, Tone, to the Sixers. And, well, we'll just wait till next year. Trust the process. <laughs> that thing will forever be a shit show till that guy sells the team. Is it beat hurt again? Uh, yep. I don't know what to tell you, man. How many years are you guys going to go through this? Hey, make sure you build that new arena for him, too. Just, I mean, why? Beats hurt. You never get out of the first round, and it's always something. Where are you going? I really like this team. Okay. Let me move on to something more interesting. You know, there's organizations in professional sports. Same old, same old. Can't escape it. It's like it's cursed <laughs> or something. Oh, by the way, can you build me a new arena? <laughs> yeah okay did we just build this thing this wells fargo thing for you a couple years ago damn dog at least the flyers are getting better all right let me let me move on 
Beats hurt again. And get this. You guys thought that that study hall rule for Kyler Murray was dumb. Remember that rule? That they tried to put into the contract of Kyler Murray that he had to do studying for game plans and shit like that? How would you like to have an entire league that mandates you play 65 games for you to be eligible for any awards because these guys take nights off and don't want to play every night? That's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing indictment on your work ethic. It's totally, and I, and I don't care if I sound like old man on the lawn, dude. Jordan didn't miss games unless he was injured. He played 81 games, 82 ball games every year. Every year. Guy was he had a clause in his contract. It was called love of the game. Hey, I have to mandate in the NBA that you show up and play 65 games to get awards or you're not eligible. Please play. Pretty please, guys. Pretty, pretty, pretty please. Please play. <laughs> the rule is a joke, and you really sit back and th- dude, right? Tone? Dude, Joel Embiid's the best player in the NBA. Hands down. I don't give a shit if he plays five games. Guy's the best player in the game. It's, I mean, he's playing better this year than Giannis. The kid in Denver, he's playing. You had to play 65 games. And you're like, Who, what, what's, what's this rule mean? Yeah, there's a new rule that the league put in that players, because they were taking nights off and they didn't want to be in games, that they have to play 65% of the games to be eligible to play and win the MVP. Shit, at least Jalen was hurt. When he missed his two games, these guys take nights off because they don't want to play. Hey, Sills, that's okay, man. You could take the Jags and the Lions game off. I'm not taking any game off. I'm not taking any game off. That ain't ha- guys are out there playing with their legs broken in games like T.O. Guys are playing with broken wrist, fingers concussions that they keep hidden and these guys don't want to play. They got a rule now that you have to play 65 games or else, or else what? I don't collect an award. Let me ask you this. They don't play 65 games. Does that affect max contracts? That's probably what it is. So the owners don't have to pay it. See, the owners are smart. They put that in there. So they don't, because I'm from what I understand, if you make first or second team, or third team, you you could be up for a Supermax deal. And if you're up for a Supermax deal and you don't play those 65 games, the owners don't have to give you that Supermax deal. This is not about the award. This is about the Supermax deal. Remember, follow the money. You think this is about the award? This is about the Supermax deal. Because from what I understand, you have to be on first or second or third team 
all NBA or all defense. And if you're on those three teams, you get the super max deal. But the MVP. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. Always in pro sports, do me a favor. That's right, Joshua. Always about the money. Okay? It's, you know, you got to play 65 games to get the MVP. Yeah, no. I don't have to offer you that money now. Ever heard the story about the hockey player who died on the ice, brought him back to life on the sideline, and his words were, put me back in. <laughs> that sounds right for a hockey dude. I love NHL guys, man. Big Seals, who would you draft? Seals, would you would you draft for my Eagles first round? Thank you, Donkey. I appreciate that, brother. Kobe never missed games? Of course not, because Kobe Bryant is Mamba. You know what he had? Love of the game. Guys like Kobe and Jordan and people that love the game. Dude, you don't get enough of it. You know, you know, you know who told me a story about Bryant? This was a who, who was it? You guys know who Glenn Rice is? You got you do you guys know who Glenn Rice is? Glenn Rice is a friend of mine. He lives in South Florida, played down with the Heat. And you guys, I'm sure you know who Glenn Rice is, right? So Glenn Rice told me that Kobe Bryant would show up to basketball games and game day. He's out there three hours before. And he's out there practicing three hours before he walked. This this guy from the Knicks walks in. I forget the guy's name. And there's Kobe practicing three hours before game day. Just jump shots. After jump shots. Three hours. Three hours. He's practicing. Okay. Oh, that's great. I'm, I, one, one day we'll get him on, Tony. I'll get Glenn Rice on. He's one of my boys. He runs a camp down in South Florida. He's a great dude. And Glenn Rice goes, he's sitting there because he was boys with Kobe. And he goes, Kobe's out there three hours every day. He every day in Englewood, practicing there at the old Great Western Forum every day, then in Staples. And these guys show up and they're like, he's got a game in three hours. Kobe's practicing three hours before. Gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning, goes back and practices again. Had a whole routine like that. I said, he'd get up at 4 in the morning? Yeah, because he felt he had the whole day after that once he got his workout out of the way by 7.30 in the morning. Dude, that guy drove himself to greatness. That is so inspiring. When the best player in the sport aspires to be even better, and you got a fat turd like Jordan Davis who can't get at and understand that. That's what's frustrating for me. Dude, you have the ability to be the best D-tackle in the league, and you don't care. Son, take it from a guy who didn't do the right thing. You're losing it, son. You're totally losing it. Don't let your opportunity slip through your fingers. It, it, you're, you're not that good. You know, you can't keep relying, Jordan Davis, on the fact that you have ability 
and untapped ability because eventually what fans and people are going to start doing is going, he don't want it. He don't want it. Personally, in my opinion, Jordan Davis doesn't want it. Speaking of injury, does your back hurt from carrying? <laughs> Jameson, we have very talented people here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Jameson. But my, I'm only as good as Jacob sports will be. Long time ago, I thought that I could do things by myself, and I cannot. And I'm as good as Jacob is. And as long as it keeps getting better and better and better, and it is, and people keep taking more shots at us on the way up, you know why people say disparaging things now about Jacob Sports? You know why they do, don't you? Because we're on the way up. You don't take shots at low-hanging fruit. You take shots at people that are making waves. Remember that. What did Denzel say, Tone? What does Denzel say? Hey, man, they don't come after you. The devil don't come after you when things are bad. He comes after you when things are good. <laughs> okay? Always remember that, man. I look at, I take things as a merit badge when people start throwing shit at us or me. Oh, I must be still relevant. Thank you. Okay? So always look at it that way. Well, this guy's this, this guy said this, this guy's doing this. Hey, they're not doing, oh, you, do you really know all that? And by the way, when it comes to my personal business and big sales is business with people, I keep that between myself and the people I'm dealing with. Okay? No one else has to know. I sign it. It's my responsibility. No one else's. I put my name to something. It's my responsibility. I don't bellyache to anybody else. I want to do this here. And these are targets that I have these off-season targets. Okay, for the Eagles. Here's my number. By the way, can I make a comment to you? And I got to tell you guys something. The people that are in the building at the NovaCare Center, I have to be kind of careful because there's now people in the building that I'm friends with. Not in management. And I'll leave it there. That I'm getting some snippets would it shock you if the philadelphia eagles have reached out to the denver broncos on a potential trade for patrick Sertain? they did in november that's documented now
And Patrick Sertain was drafted by Vic Fangio. And Patrick Sertain is on a rookie contract still. Would I target him as my number one as my number one target this offseason? He would be my number one target. Can I make a trade for him? One here. What is what is it? He's on a rookie deal. It would have to be multiple years. One, two twos, and a three. Broncos want one ones and a three and a four. Would you be willing to give up for a 24-year-old Patrick Sertan, the best lockdown corner in the league? Two ones for a position you suck at drafting and you need desperately to address. Would you do it? Last year, your Nolan Smith guy stunk. Not saying he stinks, but his season did. Steve goes too much. Steve. You're paying too much now for two dudes I gave you dick. You're paying $30 million in cover corner money who aren't giving you anything. Not saying that Slay's horrible. I get rid of Bradbury, and I keep Slay, and I put Sertain on the other side. I might have the best corners in the league. You could address your corners right there. One move. Put a tw- you'll. There's not a dude that's coming out in the draft better than this guy. At the corner position, nor do I think there's a guy coming out in the draft that's better than this guy in the next 10 years. What's your problem? You'd rather have Nate Wiggins or Kool-Aid over Patrick Sertan. Dude, I like those players. Okay? I like those players. Those aren't sure things. This kid's a sure thing. He's a bona fide sure thing. He's an all-pro. He's the best at what he does. You would have the best. I don't mind spending $15, $18 million on him when his contract's up. I don't have a problem. What's the thing Tone says? It's a premium position. Eagles pay p- premium positions. Okay. So if you're going to pay $20 million, would seriously, would you rather pay $20 million to A.J. Brown? Or would you rather pay $20 million to a lockdown corner that solidifies your defense? I'd rather pay AJ. Why? 
He didn't help your quarterback last year. Patrick Sertain is going to do more for your quarterback, like those two safeties and corners are doing in Kansas City, than any receiver they could have signed. They had a chance to sign DeAndre Hopkins. They had a chance to sign Odell Beckham. They passed on him. They're in the Super Bowl because they got better on defense. You're missing all of this. Man, you guys are falling in love with 1,400 yards. I'm falling in love with a corner that can solidify your defense and make you better today. Kool-Aid ain't going to make you better today. He may make you better in three years. Sertain is going to make you better now. But I don't want him. I'd rather draft Nolan Smith and Sidney Brown. <laughs> Dude, with Patrick Sertan back there, Reed Blankenship doesn't look horrible. Think about it. Here's another one. This is unlikely. Arizona's moving off of Buda Baker. Two-time All-Pro safety. Um, I saw what Jesse Bates got in Atlanta. That's going to that's gonna be kind of in the ballpark. If I'm not mistaken, I think Buda Baker, 28. Now, by the way, the one thing that is reasoning why Denver is going to move it, this is what we're being told. They're going to cut Russell Wilson after June 1st in Denver. Buda Baker for third round 25. Who are you talking about? Look at this guy, Steve. He thinks you're going to get Buda Baker for a third rounder in 2025 and you're going to pay him, what, $5 million? He's an $18 million a year guy. Hey, let me trade Kenny Gainwell for Buda Baker. Now, the guys you mentioned, Kool-Aid McKintry and Mike Kane's guy, Kitchens. That would be the targets that I would have this offseason. And that's my last of the three that I would look at my targets. So my number one target would be Patrick Sertan. By the way, November, they had a conversation. That's facts. And supposedly, now, I don't know this for 100%, okay? But supposedly the Eagles and Broncos have had small talk on it, like pillow talk. You take sure thing how we can't dealt, and even when we have good young players, they sit behind vets until their contracts are up. Howie Roseman sits young players behind veterans because Howie Roseman picks the wrong people. The objective is when you pick young players, they're supposed to supplant your veteran guys. Like Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter are supposed to be the starters next year, not Milton Williams and Fletcher Cox. And if that's not the case, you got a problem. 
That's why Nicobe Dean is going to get the starting job. I think the Eagles should go after Sertain. You don't have a ton of money. He's on a rookie deal still. Um, they're going to cut Russell Wilson. They're going to need draft picks. Let's bring in Tone here. Big Sills, how you doing today, sir? So do, do you want do you want to start where I started the show? Or do you let's pick it up from here. Let's start where you left off and work our way back. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Let's All right. Uh, you know, let's just start with the Patrick Sertan conversation. Um, that's the most intriguing uh, for me right now. Um, I love what you said about it. Um, I don't know what they would want, um, but whatever they would want, I would definitely be willing to talk to them about it because here's my logic. Every decision I make from this point forward has to have a direct impact on the Jalen Hurts contract window. That's my mindset. Not five years, not six years, not 10 years. That's my mindset. Whatever roster move you make has to have a direct impact on that window. And last time I checked, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts' contract, the four-year extension, takes effect this year. And for the next for the next four years or so, they're going to have him at a pretty friendly cap hit. We talked about that at the beginning Completely. of the show. Completely. And, friendly cap hits. Right. And, you know, obviously, Patrick Sertain, you know, although he's still in a rookie deal, his contract will come up soon, but that's not even a point. We, we'll, we'll get there when we get the there. Year, the year gives you the latitude to work it through right. the season to give him a deal. Right, right. And, you know, and even then, we'll get there when we get there. The way I see it is, in this window that you have with Jalen Hurts, which is, let's just say, four years. I think it's three because you're not going to let him go into his final season. Okay. Not knowing what's going to happen. That's even, that's even more to our point. Um, I'm all for making a big move to bring in Patrick Sertain for all the reasons you mentioned. They can't drag corners. They have not shown you since the Lito Shepard era that they have been able to draft the corner. It's just that simple. And, and lose flash. Harry Roseman didn't draft those guys either. That was Joe Banner, right? Yep. So, again, keeping things. And Andy. <clears throat> yes. Again, keeping things in perspective. This is about the Jalen Hurts contract window. If you don't take advantage of it, and you're still not sure that he's the guy, now you're back to square one with no quarterback. You are now thinking, my friend, as the NFL banker that you have to because. You're looking at the ability of that contract to give you latitude to do things financially that can catch you back up again. Do you know what? Hey, the draft picks are not really that important to me. I'm glad you said that. Listen, the Eagles They're have not. the 20. I believe the Eagles have the It's the 19th fucking pick, dude. They have the uh the 22nd overall pick. That's not I'm giving that game. up. If if the if the Broncos if the Broncos ask me for my 2024 first round pick and whatever else they ask after that, I'm pretty sure negotiations will have to happen. But if they want my first overall pick, I mean, I mean, my 2020, my, my 2024 uh, first round pick, you can have it. You, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a ready-made corner who is a former all pro, the top of his game has a, has a top billing of health and he doesn't 24. get hurt. 
He's 24 years old. And as of right now, we have terrible contract. Yeah, we have terrible contract at the cornerback position. Uh, you have an aging Darius Slay. You have you have James Bradbury, who's aging in dog years. When you think about it from that perspective, do we really have time to wait for Keely Ringo to be ready? Do, are you going to? Do we go really have time for Sidney Brown to be ready? Are you going to go into the draft and pray for Kool Aid McKentry to develop? Especially when you, can do, when you can go like this, Tone. How about this? So let's just take let's let's stay status quo for two years. Mm-hmm. Say they want to have staggered first rounders. You're telling me you wouldn't give two first rounders that are closer to being the top of the second round, eleven picks away from being a second rounder for a guy who's 24 and for a guy who could lock your secondary down. And if you put him on the other side of Slay. Does it make Reed Blankenship look shitty? And you've automatically improved your back end of your defense instantly. overnight. Instantly. Instantly. Adam Patrick Sertain can take you from being one of the worst passing defenses in the league to at least making it respectable. And then at and that then point, what's you, this tone? you move off a sleigh after that and you draft a and then, and then you draft your corner. And you pay him $18 million. Dude, what would be the problem? You paid these other guys fifteen and sixteen million dollars, and they were you're thirty years old. To pay for the best corner anyway, two yeah. million more at twenty four and not thirty. You're you're counter. You're not looking at it. What you have done already. Exactly. Take exactly. a shot at drafting a guy on the other end. Have slaying him. Kick. Bra- you can. Here's why you can afford the Bradbury dump. If you bring Sertan and he's still on that rookie deal. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, let, let's make sure we got our, our numbers right here. Uh, Patrick Sertan, look at the contract here. All right. Patrick Sertan a second. Here we go. All right. So as of right now, Patrick Sertan, <clears throat> uh, he is in the fourth year. He's, he's entering the fourth year of his rookie deal. Um, nine times out of 10, whoever does have his rights will pick up the fifth year option and then he'll be due to get paid for the 2026 season. So what's the option? Uh, the fifth year option is estimated to be 18.5 million. Dude. Okay. And as of right now, his cap, as of right now, his cap hit is only in this 2024 season, his cap hit is only 6.6 million (laughs) this year. And again, the way I see it, and again, the way I see it, this is, this is me thinking about the Jalen Hurts contract window. This is what we're talking about. You know, we 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 talk we talk all the time how Harry Roseman is just this genius and the mathematician. And he can get all these. He he knows how oh, to get I it think done. This is up he, his alley. No, no, right, right. We say all the time how he's capable of getting it done. So when we're really trying to really get some things done now, whoa, whoa, whoa hold your horses. We don't know if we can make that. We, we can't make that money work. But all of a sudden, you guys get you guys think we can make the AJ Brown money work. Come on, man. Like we're picking and choosing when we really want to make real moves here, and the fact of the matter is, the defense is so putrid. A move like a move and moving adding Patrick Sertain, and you expect the defensive line to be better the following year, and you couple that with the Darius Slay. I like I I like I like your method to this, right? Get get rid of Bradbury, trade for Patrick Sertain, go into the season with Slay and Sertain, and then the following year, then you draft your corner. I can all shoot the Bradbury money with the rookie deal. That he's still on, because exactly. when I make the deal for him, 
I'm going to do this to him. Hey, look here, man. You're not getting out of the building. We're going to give you what you want. But they still have the leverage with the fifth-year option. Correct. Correct. So, again, they're just going to pick the option up. And mm-hmm. it gives them another year of negotiating a three-year contract with them. It's kind of similar to the A.J. Brown situation. The only difference is you're not giving him the money on draft night. That's and the only difference. By the difference. way, two first-rounders at number 22 for Sertan? Go ahead. Hurt Sertan, he, will, he changes your secondary overnight. And we've been talking all the time. You, you completely solidify your back end overnight. Because he's going to make Brad, I mean, sorry, he's going to make Reed Blankenship look better. If he's the guy out there, he's going to make him look better. Having Slay and Sertain out there will make any, will make all those will make all those safeties look better. That's just right here. Twiz goes, can we talk about real options? Why? They've tried that real options. They reached out in November. And Twiz, they've supposedly reached out this past week. But what makes it not real? Conversations. So what makes that it is not real, real options because your organization is now documented of already having contacted the Denver Broncos in November. What makes it not real? And also, let's think right, about this. The right? actions of the Eagles did. And, and, and look, let's think about this. When they traded for AJ Brown, did y'all think that was a real option? Let's be real. I didn't. We, nobody thought that was a real option. No one even expected it to happen. But here, Tone, the Eagles contacted Denver in November. Come on, man. Look, I'm talking about the Jalen Hurts contract window. Yes. That, that, that's my mindset. Winning the Super Bowl within this window. Because look I don't how know. You can fix your defense and make it. T- 35% better with one. The Eagles, were the, the Eagles were the worst pass defense in the NFL. You ascertain with that defensive line and and, and uh and Darius Slay. Where do you think it jumps them for? Where do you think it jumps them to? They were they were 32nd in the league. Where do you think it jumps them to? I say it jumps them to at least 14th, 14th, 13th. Tenth. I'm willing to roll the dice on that. Again, a proven commodity. When you know, listen, we talk because all the time. Because of slice play. Listen to this. We talk all the time how we think they need to draft the corner in the first round, right? I think we're all well documented as a fan base and as spectators and as, as enthusiasts of this team that they should draft the corner in the first round. We're all talking about that, right? So, again, let's think about Harry Roseman's track record when it comes to drafting corners. He cannot evaluate the position. Let me ask he you has this, not though. proven to you that he can evaluate the position, not one time. But what he has done, he's proven that he has an ability to spot a corner in free agency or via trade. That's how you got Darius Slay in the building. We didn't think that was feasible, but we got him in the building. So then Patrick Sertain, that's right up Harvey Rosen's alley. He can't you're, draft corners. You're talking beautifully here because you're talking track record. But here's the thing, though. You're talking people, about people how wants track record. But here's the thing. People want to use his track record when it's beneficial for them. The yeah. reality is his track record has good has good in it and it has yep. bad in it. Absolutely. If we're going to talk about it, talk about the whole thing. He can't That's jack right. corners. Absolutely. He He's not good in drafting. He's good at finding. Exactly. He found, he found C.J. Gardner. He made a deal for both of those players. All I'm saying to people is, like, do people think it's a? They have done as an organization. And real quick, sales. Do do people think it's an accident that the best corners during the Harry Roseman era, the best DBs, let's put it to you that way, the best DBs in the Harry Roseman era have all been free agents or trades? Is that an right. accident? Is that a myth? Is that a coincidence? No. The worst DBs we've had in the Harry Roseman era have been draftees. Malcolm Jenkins. 
found him. Was that a free agency signing or a trade? Regardless, he found him. He found Malcolm Jenkins, right? He found Rodney McLeod, a proven commodity. Um, uh, he found Ronald Darby, a proven commodity. Uh, he found Patrick Robinson in the slot, a proven commodity. Uh, he found Darius Slay, a proven commodity. He found James Bradbury at the time, a proven commodity. But then let's 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 go into the ones he drafted, right? Who did he draft at safety or a corner that's been that, that that's really shown to be a really top tier player? No, see, and that, and that goes with what Twiz is saying here. He wants to keep the two first rounders for Howie to take another shot in the dark again at some shitty linebacker or some shit, shitty safety or some shitty corner that he hasn't done. But hold in on, twenty three years. But hold on, wait. He, the same... He'd rather do that. But listen, and, and take guys like Nolan Smith or Kobe Dean. Still, but they're the same people saying. Hey, don't trade AJ. Stupid no, thinking. No, listen, they're the same people saying don't trade AJ Brown because we don't trust how we to do the right thing with the picks. But and but now you do. Right. You don't want okay. Come on. Giving man. him the picks. Okay. <laughs> well, let me go get the guy. Come on. I'm trying to win now. And he's on a rookie deal. And, and he's, he's got a fifth-year option still. And he's, Shit. He's still on the rookie deal. You still got the fifth-year option. You could draft the corner in the following. And look, that's not to say he won't draft the corner in this year's draft still. Second, third, fourth round. You might find Especially the guy you, you never know. for a homie. Right. And, uh, and also, you guys, and look, we still got Keely Ring on the building. I thought you guys liked him. I thought you guys I liked him. I still want to see that guy who was suspended. Isaiah Rogers. Still got Isaiah Rogers. I want to see him. I want to see him, too. You know what I mean? So again, I'm I'm looking at the Jalen Hurts contract window. That's that's the priority because as much as we love him, we don't know if he getting this. We don't know if he getting that next contract in Philly. We don't know that. But one thing I do know, they got him locked up for the next four years. I'm trying to make a move to get me a Super Bowl win in the next four years. Patrick Sertain does that, drafting a corner and hoping he turns into a guy. Does not because he can't. Talking, talking about a right tackle. That's not a pressing need. It's not I can address that next year. I got Lane Johnson for I got Lane Johnson for the next two years at least. Correct. I, that's I'm not, not a pressing need. I'm not worried about that. Your corners are pressing needs financially and production wise. If you listen, if you off the Bradbury deal and then you bring in Patrick Sertain, that completely flips your cornerback room financially as well. Yes. Now you're getting more value for your money. Whereas though you're not getting any value for the money you're the Eagles have. Listen, do we? And what else are you getting? You're getting latitude. Yes, you're getting the yes. ability to give yourself some room and time here to address a contract extension with him, put him on an option, pick up that dude. He's not going to bitch and moan about being on an eighteen year, eighteen million dollar option year, knowing full well they're going to give him a three year contract. They'll give him the money up front. He'll probably make two more Pro Bowls. You're going to give him a Jalen Hurts type of contract because he's a lockdown corner, and you're going to solidify your corner room for the next 10 years. Exactly. And also, this is why you structured the Jalen Hurts contract the way you did, so you can make moves like this. You feel what I'm saying? If it's yeah, Tappas, I mean, if it, that's what if, I was if it's saying. Cap- the way, because you, you brought it up, and that one guy brought it up yesterday. Sills, you want to get trade AJ, but you want to give the picks to him. Do you trust him? And I go, you know. It's a great take. I don't think I do. So then I started thinking about it, and I and I and I called around and I asked, and I go, "Hey, man, so November, the how close was it? San Francisco, get this, dude. San Francisco and the Eagles were close to making a move with the Denver Broncos for Patrick Sertain. Listen, Sean Payton balked. Now remember something: 
Um, John Lynch has a great relationship because he played there mm-hmm. with Sean Payton and the Broncos and the new right. management in there. He's got a great relationship in that building with that with that team. Don't let Patrick Sertan, because Brock Purdy's on that deal, land in San Francisco in the offseason. Because on June 1, I'm telling you, Tone, they're cutting Russell Wilson. Yeah, and also here's another thing, too. Remember, keep this in mind. Last season, the Philadelphia Eagles were trying to make a big splash for Christian McCaffrey. Remember that? But then it fell through. Because the uh, 49ers offered more of a treasure chest to picks to Carolina. Exactly. So my, my point in bringing that up is, Harry Roseman has his own record of trying to make these big swings. On record. During the trading deadline, too. Right. So, by my logic, again, he can't draft cornerbacks. He has not proven to you not one time he can draft one. We got. We have to accept that now. This is a four-year window we have with this contract. Because, Lord knows, let's let's say they do resign Jalen Hurst to another contract. Let's just say they do, right? The cap hit ain't going to be that friendly. Uh-uh. <laughs> The cap hitting will be that friendly. This is why that contract is structured the way it is, so you can make the moves that you can. The Eagles are in cap hell with those with those cornerback contracts right now. In you my are- opinion, Jalen Hurts' contract has to do exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did. They completely addressed the defensive side of the football. If you think about it, they Tom, have to. They have to. Get this. If you think about it, once they gave him that half a billion dollar deal, what significant move have they made offensively in the no. last four years? They they've dumped players. Yeah, no additions, all subtractions, all subtractions. And and, and get this right this, this this can be your cornerback room, or this can be your starting corners if everything bodes well, if everything works out the way we think it will. You got Darius Slay, Patrick Sertain, and you got the kid Isaiah Rogers in a slot. You completely shifted the narrative in your DB room completely overnight. And now, Overnight, and we can turn this two-year fix into a one-year fix that fast. Why are we holding on to draft picks when we can't even trust Howard to do the right thing with him anyway? Let me adjust something. I think your secondary could be between 10 and 12. And I, th- I think that's reasonable. I say 10 to 14, but again, reasonable. I think that's reasonable. The goal is to be respectable because the D-line still got to do their job. And yeah, the I don't want to be 27th. No, of course, damn sure. of, of, course not, of course not. And the linebackers still got to do their job as well. So this is going to be another issue you got to address. But again, you bring in Patrick Sertain to solidify your DB room next to a Darius Slay, and then the following season you move on from Slay, you draft your corner, and you still got Isaiah Rogers in the slot. There Now now we cooking with gas. And you're talking you're – talking- And you get cheaper at the position. You're talking being financially responsible, too. And you're getting value. You're getting value. See, now people... In the four-year contract window. Keep Tony, that in mind, people. You're, you, you're, you've, you've got it. That's ex- Those things have to somehow, in a way, all line up. It can't just be this. I miss on Rager. I throw money at AJ. That's a bad move. The only thing that panned out was the player gave you production. And guess what? Real quick. And this, you didn't get the latitude of the rookie years. Here's the thing, Sills. This is how bad it can get, right? Let's say they do draft the corner in the first round, and he doesn't hit. You know what the Eagles are going to do? They're going to find a corner in free agency or trade for one the following year, and now they lost the first-round pick, and then they got to pay for a guy now. And then they lose the three years of what that guy could have brought you. Or how about this? You want to hear something crazy? Sertan gives you two years of latitude. 
Mm-hmm. And it's you want to have you want two 20-second picks and hoping that the guy lands on shit that he never does. How can I <laughs> how can you justify that? I mean, if I'm the owner of the Eagles, hey, I hey uh Jeffrey, I've got a deal for two ones and the 24 and 25 and a third rounder for Sertain. Do you want to do it? And guess what? If you think the Eagles are going to be good, that that uh 2025 first round pick is going to be what in the 20s, in the 30s? If you if you expect them to be good, so what are you really losing? When once you get into that range, now you now you playing with second round picks. Ain't no big deal. I I think that I think that Eagle fans and NFL fans they look at those first rounders today. It's not like it used to be twenty five years ago when that old CBA was in. Because you know why? Guys move off them now because you can. No, All the, the money's now into younger players and guys are more on the free agent market. To me, in my opinion. I think it's I think it's more of a home run if you can get yourself a young player in free agency. Like, look at this guy, Brian Burns. Not that the Eagles would do this. He's 25 right. years old. He's a top-flight defensive end. He's going to command $18 million. Well, shit, if you need a defensive end, you should buy him. I mean, I'm not going to go into the draft and pray I find Aiden Hutchinson. And here's another thing, too. To your point, and look, Eagles fans, I love y'all, but some of y'all act like it's your money. Some of y'all act like it's your first round pick. It's not. Okay. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's not my money. It ain't my picks. All right. Make the move necessary to get the right people in the building, especially when you're not. If I know I'm not good at something, if, or it's, it's business, it's, it's, it's clear cut business. I think if you I'm, bring something listen, up. Do you think listen, they don't think they're that good at that? Listen, if, if, if I run a company, right, and I'm not good at a certain department, and I keep failing in that position. At that point, what's my next move? I'm going to outsource. I'm going to contract to bring someone to, to come in to handle an issue that I'm clearly failing at over the past several years. It's simple economics. It's simple business. The Eagles are not good at judging corners during the Harry Roseman era. They are not good at it. He is not good at it. He drives D-line well. He drives O-line well. Other than that, Nothing. it's a crapshoot. So, so therefore, and knowing that... <clears throat> I'm willing to roll my dice on a proven all-pro corner who's 24 years old, still on the rookie deal, which can allow me to transition to the next wave of corners. I get rid of Bradbury, D-Slay and Sertain, and then the following year, I shift away from Slay, I got Sertain, and then I draft the guy. Now my cornerback room just got significantly cheaper Dude, and, and more talented and, you're, and more yeah, athletic. And you got a guy that Fangio – Drafted that himself Fangio, in 21. That Fangio was very familiar with. Fangio had to look at him when they went to him and said, we're going to draft Patrick Sertain. Great. He was the head coach of the Broncos then. And it always goes back to what? The Jalen Hurts four-year window. Do you it guys trust? too much sense. Do you guys trust any of these players currently on the roster that we're going to draft to automatically become slam dunks or become real players in that window? When I when I know Patrick Sertain is legitimate right now, uh, and that young, and that young, he's twenty four, dude. So it's it's, it's it's too simple to keep talking about, dude. I, I looked at it really. You're right. I mean, I thought about it last night. I'm like, so this guy's gonna go and try to develop Kool Aid, McKinstry from. And by the way, I don't mind the kid. He's good. Yeah, it's not but about it's them. Such a crapshoot. Right. It, at the end of the day, it is. No matter what, the draft is nothing but a big-ass slot machine. The NFL draft is nothing but a big-ass slot machine. 
And guess what? More times than not, when it comes to the cornerbacks, the Eagles lose. Why bet That's on right. a game that you know they're going to lose? Let me let me do another question here for you. Yes, sir. Buda Baker's going to be moved off of – they're going to move him. He's mm-hmm. 28. He's two-time All-Pro. And he's probably going to be around a $15 million to $18 million a year guy. We were talking, you know, this offseason the last couple of weeks, are the Eagles going to shift their mentality? Um, Arizona's got it. Arizona's in cap hell. Okay. Well, not so much. They're 44.8. They will probably want to do more damage in free agency. So I'm wrong there with that. Because they got 44 million mm-hmm. in, in, in cap space there. So I would say, I would say this to you. When you look at it, is that a viable thing? Or do you think that how we would pass on something like that? <sighs> So going into the 2024 season, man, uh, he's going to command. He's going to have a 19 million dollar cap hit. The dead cap is only 3.9 million, which is really good. But uh, a 14.2 million dollar base that's going right on your cap. Are you talking more so when his contract ends, or are you talking about making a move for him this off season? Does he have one more year left? I think it looks like he does. From what I'm seeing, it says here he's a he's an unrestricted free agent in 2025. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm seeing. That's it what I'm just seeing. seems to me. I'd rather if I'm going to spend my money, I'm going to do it with the rookie deal with Sertan. That's just a little too rich for me. Yeah, at that position, you know that's what I'm the, saying? Yeah, yeah. I'd much rather go. What what I'm, did what did Bates get last year? Do you remember what Bates got? Uh yeah, give me one second. He got the largest safety contract in I think in NFL history. From yeah, but I thought he was disappointed that he didn't get like more money, and that I thought that he thought he was going to get more when he left Cincinnati. Well, you know, you know the market. You know, he was it, it was a it was a buyer's market, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I want to say it was a buyer's market at that time, but nonetheless, though, he signed a four year, sixty four million dollar deal with thirty six million in total guarantees. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much that's exactly what he signed. Uh, a lot of money, man. A lot of money. A lot of money for safety. A lot. His base. His his base salary in twenty twenty four is going to be thirteen million. That's right on your cap. Boy, I like that. That's right on your cap. That hit your that hit that hit your cap right in the vein. See, I think the Jamal Adams deal. Destroyed that's the, Seattle. That, that's it's the worst safety Seattle. contract I've All ever those, seen. But then they give up like three ones for his ass in a whole like 20 million a year or some shit like that. And he's given them no production up there in Seattle. And he has cost them a king's ransom, dude. He held them ransom. Yep. That's the worst I mean, safety contract I've ever seen in my life. Was like 20 a year. Three ones were surrendered to the Jets. And he played what 15 games for him total Something in four like, years, three years. He was even a healthy non like a scratch this last year in a few ball games, too. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple teams that got some rough contracts with them safeties, but Seattle signed signed the worst one. And I would say the third target would be Kool-Aid or the kid kitchens from Miami at safety. That, that's the least of it for me. Right. 
the number one target, Sertan, because it makes sense financially, economically, and you're better overnight. Instantly. You all the things you mentioned, I can't, I can't, I can't lay it out any better than what you did. I want to show you something else here, Tom. I started the program out with this. Look at these cap projections on Cleveland, the Chargers, the Buffalo Bills, the Cowboys, and the Baltimore Ravens. Cleveland's got a $20 million number in the red on their cap. The best days of Cleveland football. Um, Boy, what tough decisions Andrew Barry's got to make there because dude, you got you 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 can't even pay for your rookies right now. How about this one? Chargers mm-hmm. just come off of giving Justin Herbert that brand new contract. They're 44 million dollars in the red. Joey Bose is not coming back. Damn. What are you going to do with Derwin James and that contract? What are they going to do with Asante Samuel Jr. when it's time to pay him? I mean, no wonder Austin Eckler not been offered any money because they're, they're, you're forty four million in the red. Mm-mm-mm. Look at the Cowboys here. So you're fourteen six in the red, fourteen million dollars in the red. Damn, you got contracts to deal with Ceedee Lamb, Michael Parsons, and with Dak Prescott. Uh, Deron Bland got to worry about that contract coming up Deron too. Deron Bland. What are you going to do here? Who goes? And are then, you going to let Tyron all, Smith walk out the building? And remember, Zach Martin. Are they, you going to cut Zach Martin? And look, remember, the, he, he wanted he wanted a, a bigger contract, and they, and they gave him some more money up front to kind of make him keep quiet, but they still got to address that. It's not that you uh, – no, no. Hey, Jones, I see it. Rework? You can't rework six guys That's when you're many. in the hole $14 million. It's a lot. It's a lot of money to be in the hole, $14 million. Yeah, so what are you going to do? I mean, you're working on a brand new deal for Dak. And what are you going to pay Parsons, 30 Are you going to pay Lamb, 50 I mean, 20 That's why it's so damning for the Dallas Cowboys to have not won anything over the past three or four years or whatever. They're, in my opinion, their best shot. Their best shots was in the rear view. It gets harder from here. It, it doesn't get it doesn't get better from here. It, it's they're they're downhill now. The Cowboys are literally going downhill from this point forward. They but the Eagles, to. but the Eagles have a chance to trampoline back up if they make the right decisions. They can the run this division. The Sertan deal is the right deal for them. I think so too. I think so too. Don't get gun shy. Pull the trigger. You you find yourself a lockdown corner for the for the next ten years. And, Legitimate. Your, and your, your cap issues are addressed. Yep. Look at you, what they missed out on Dak. Dak was a fourth-round pick. And he produced early in his career, and they brought nothing back in postseason. Yep, and they, and they did, and you know what? I will give them credit. They did everything to put weapons around him. Amari Cooper, he had Jason Witten at one point. He had Dalton Schultz, now got Ferguson, C.D. Lamb. He had Michael Gallup when he was, in this, when he was actually killing people. Um, Cedric Wilson, when he was actually doing a great job, um, that defense has been stellar for the past two years. Um, wait a minute, they, ha- they have wait, dropped wait, the ball wait. big time. You're forgetting something. They had your boy who is going to save the day, Kellen Moore, is the OC. <laughs> hey, listen, man, you got to earn my friendship. 
<laughs> you got to earn my friendship. The savers, the savers coming in. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills are fifty-one million dollars in the red. That's why they're cutting Stefan Diggs. That shit looks crazy. Fifty-one million in the red. That's insane. What That's are you insane. doing there? Who's making the money? Oh my god, man! Like who? Hey, hey, Tone, who's a high-paid guy there? The quarterback and the receiver, right? The rest of those guys, what, what are they? Are right, they look, paying big money? Let's, let's look at it, right? So, um, who's making all this money? Let's do it. Let's find out, man. It's got to be the quarterback. Horrible hits. Well, Josh See, Allen. This is what makes me do this too, Tone. That's why Jeffrey Lurie has to be like this. Hey, I put more of my ass on the line with Jalen Hurts because I gave him more money up front, and I'm not getting my return on investment. And if this guy doesn't start delivering here soon, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I, I I I sacrificed not having to worry about paying the guy at the back end here. I'm doing this now. I gave the guy the money up front. Okay, come on, Jalen, let's go. Am I and right when why, I say that? And that's why the four-year window that we're talking about is so important. Because when you look at the way these quarterback cap hits are hitting that are affecting these other teams, the Philadelphia Eagles are in rare air right now. Rare air. You have you you have a fifty million dollar you have a fifty million dollar quarterback on your roster, and your cap hits and your cap hit for the twenty twenty four season 13? is only thirteen freaking million. When Josh Allen's cap hit for the twenty twenty four season <laughs> is forty seven million dollars. <laughs> have a two hundred forty two million dollars. Still, Salary cap is still, insane. Still, look at this. This this is their situation right now. This is this is the Buffalo Bills situation. Look at these cap hits. Stefan Diggs has a twenty-seven. You got a seventy-four million dollar cap hit between two dudes. Two guys are taking up thirty percent of your cap. And then twenty, and then you got another twenty-three. You you've got a hundred million dollars in cap hits and lined up in two dudes. <laughs> this is three dudes. crazy. Three dudes. Hundred mil hundred million in three dudes. Forty percent. Listen, let, let's do it this way. Forty <clears throat> percent of your cap space for twenty twenty four is wrapped up in three guys. Forty percent. This isn't just about jerseys. This is about the money and how it moves. That guy beans fired. Yo, dude, look at that. It's this really is, the rest of it is is reasonable. This is why it was such an indictment for the Bills to not take advantage of these past few years. They've come so close and come up so short. That's see this right here. That's exactly why Sean McDermott's gonna be fired. The Dallas Cowboys, all those listen, man. This is this is this is this is this is dangerous territory here. The Eagles are not in this position yet, and I know y'all don't want them to be in this position. They have an opportunity to avoid this because of the Jalen Hurts contract. We got to take advantage of this four-year window. Buffalo is going downhill. Josh Allen is a great quarterback. But as an organization, as a team, they're on the decline. The Cowboys on the decline. You got to take advantage of this four-year window with Jalen Hurts where the cap hits are legitimately manageable. I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Jalen Hurts has one cap hit that matches um, no. Josh Allen's cap hit Absolutely of this not. year. No. I don't think he does. Let me double check He doesn't. That. He doesn't. I want to show you something. That what makes Kansas City. 
Um, just insane. So you have Patrick Mahomes, you're in a Super Bowl for the second year in a row, and you got $24 million in cap space. Shit. They're going to be good for the next, I mean, five, six years, man. There's really nobody's. By the way, do I think they move off of Chris Jones? I do. Chris Jones is going to be, what, 30, 29? He's going to command $28 million? They're not going to pay that. They're going to move off him. And they'll draft a guy. You're absolutely right. Look at this. Kansas City Chiefs. 23.8 million in cap. So and they're in the Super Bowl. You, you and you can win your second Super Bowl in a row, and you're still 24, 23 million dollars under the cap. And you're sitting around looking at some of these other teams wondering why you're not in a position. By the way, San Francisco is five hundred and seventy thousand dollars under the cap, but dude, they don't have to worry about it. You know why? Because the quarterback doesn't make shit. Yep, yep. And also on top of this, right, you know, I thought the Eagles were a little bit longer in the 2010. Their average age is 26. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. But you can get younger and better. Yeah. If you if you off Bradbury, bring a certain. Listen, the fact that they had the fact that they have 20 million, 20.8 million in cap space is is astonishing to me. So again, we don't want to end up in a situation like the Saints, who are 80 million in the hole. Eighty million dollars no in the hole. No chance of taking out of that. No chance. You think they won the Super Bowl anytime soon? Absolutely not. They're 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 almost a decade away from getting out of that. Exactly. You're the money six years at least. You always got to follow the money. And Dennis Allen's your coach. <laughs> and Derek Carr is your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're not going anywhere with that. Not going anywhere. But the Eagles can go somewhere. If they make the right moves, they right. have it in front. They have it in front of them. They just can't get gun shy about it, or egomaniac about it. Bingo. I think it's more the ego thing. All right, Tony, let that. me ask you this one here. Yes, sir. Do you find it? I mean, I'm glad that I got some folks in the building now helping me out a little bit. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. Don't tell everybody that. <laughs> True. Um, so they had Kingsbury on a contract, inked down, and he was going to sign it. And this guy's worked with Mahomes. He's worked with Murray. He's worked with RPO guys. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bring in coaches that were to Jalen Hurts' skill set. He wanted autonomy in the coaches that he thought would be conducive to coaching him, his style, and bring out the best of him in 22. Mm -hmm. When that became a point, that's when the Eagles, like every other organization like Atlanta and these other ones, they wanted to control. And Kingsbury Mm -hmm. said, well, now now you know what Washington's doing. It's either Justin Fields or they're going to draft Jalen Daniels well, they're going to draft somebody. They're going to draft somebody that's going to move around. That's an RPO yeah. guy. Yeah, and also real quick, um, before you continue, it also shows where Washington is just from an ownership standpoint. They're not in a position to really—I don't want to say be picky, but they're not in a position to really swing their weight around. They're trying to get—they're they're trying to reinstill 
interest in this team again. You know, you know, they they're trying to they're throwing things at the wall so it sticks. Not saying and they got eighty three million dollars in cap space, to right? Do. And they got a lot of and they got a lot of money, so they're not in the mood or they're not in a position to be egotistical. You feel what I'm saying? They're not in a yep. position to be egotistical. They're trying. Okay, look, we need the best people in the building. Period. Um, and I and I know I'm on record not really caring for Kellen Moore or Cliff Kingsbury, right? But I want you to, you know, we we love to play the conspiracy game on the show, right? Follow me here. Put, I need you to put your tinfoil hat on for me. <laughs> Remember how I mentioned to you how if Nick Sirianni starts to wet the bed in the first half of the season, uh, this coming season, um, Kellen Moore might be the first in line to get that interim job and then become the head coach long term. I think, and although I think, you know, in those meetings, things did fall through with the staff and all that kind of stuff, this is what I think. I think the Eagles were trying to, I think the Eagles were foreshadowing. I think that they're really good on hedging their bets. They don't make any move without having a backup plan or a parachute attached. I think they thought to themselves, God forbid, if Nick Sirianni wets the bed, do we really feel comfortable making Cliff Kingsbury our interim head coach? They've never hired a guy with experience before in the entire Jeffrey Lurie um, uh, ownership. It makes more sense to that that I would buy what you're saying because Kellen Moore is more of what they do mm -hmm. in giving guys with no name as head coaching opportunities than what giving a guy like Kingsbury because they probably sat back and said, hey, like you said, if it goes south, he fits our profile on the type of coach we usually hire. A guy who's never been hired, guy has an offensive mind. He was interviewed a year ago. And he's more controllable. And he knows, and he got the job because he said yes more. And again, that's me being the conspiracy. No, I agree. You know, you know, I think that's... he fits the profile. Kingsbury wanted this and that. And then at the end of the day, they probably looked at the exit because when you hire somebody, you also look at the exit. What happens if it goes this way? Mm -hmm. How's it look going out the door? Remember, most executives and CEOs at major companies, they're always looking for the golden parachute talk first. Of course. You don't what, talk What about if this goes wrong, right? Of course, we all, like, I'm so glad you said that. Companies, yeah, they're always going to talk about what can go right. But more than anything, they discuss, okay, what happens if this doesn't, what happens if this goes wrong? And do, we have an do we it's have an exit negotiation strategy? tone about the back end of the contract if things on guaranteed money, stock options, all of that is the mm -hmm. sticking points more so than the salary at the beginning in the conversation because you're in the building because they want you. Yep. But what goes south is negotiations on the contract in total and its totality. That's kind of what happened here with Kingsbury. They brought him in. They liked what they heard. Kingsbury and his deal wanted this, this, and this. And when they heard what he wanted, they went, hey, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I put it like this. Companies, multi-billion dollar, multi-billion dollar <laughs> companies spend more, spend more money on lawyers and contingency plans than they do on um, employees and um, people who can actually help them get to their destination. Think about because it. They're, they're always the thinking about what can go wrong. Think about it. The United States government does more bailouts than they do giving people gifts when it comes to helping companies. Hey, we can't let that company. Okay, we'll bail them out. Hey, we'll bail them out. Hey, we'll bail them out. Companies, I mean, you don't go to the government. Government's not really there to give you loans. They bail mm -hmm. out who they want to bail out. That's how and, That's how and, the government works. And, and let me they take it a step. Deals well. And let me take it a step further for you, right? 
What's more valuable when you're on the plane? The gas or the parachutes? <laughs> I never I never I never looked at it that way. I'd be hiding in the shitter. <laughs> where do you feel more comfortable with? Well, let, let, listen, where do you if things go south, what's the, what's the first thing you're looking at? You're looking at the parachutes, not the gas, right? Yeah, I want the parachute. Okay, all right, just making sure. Just yeah, making no. sure that the, the parachutes are more valuable than the gas. I'll Shit, tell you the that right now. The gas could drive me into the mountain, man. I'm jumping up before we hit the mountain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, look, and look yeah. again, I, this, this is my tinfoil talk now. But, you know, we'll see how this thing pans out ultimately. Yeah. You know what? What happens when you hear and see your little legal guys, some of them getting their little, hey, we can't give up two ones. Why? Because your guy's a phenomenal drafter. Well, I want you guys to face something. Eagles, he sucks. Eagles fan. I didn't take that from my dad. <laughs> Don't stole that from his pops. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> hey, that's that's interesting. What's your pop think of all this? You know, we talk often about it, and all he can do is really lean on me. Um, and I just tell him, look, just you know, just uh just 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 don't 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 hit your wagon or anything quite yet. Just watch it. No Just jersey buying? It. See, this is what you should buy your dad. Ready? Get him an Eagle jersey. And then what you get is you get a tearaway name. <laughs> you know, the Velcro, you can put a new name on the back. And you could get a Velcro number. Have an Eagle jersey. Because remember something. I'd be like this, pop. Pop tone. Let me just say this to you, man. Dad, we're going to pull the jersey number off and the name in the back of the jersey. And we're going to be able to stick a new number. Two, oh my eight. God, Velcro! <laughs> hey, 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 Matthew, Matthew, don't be a stickler, all right? You know what I mean. <laughs> don't be a stickler, Matthew. Oh, we, I forgot we have English majors <laughs> in here, mathematicians. Don't be a don't be a stickler, Matthew. I love you, man. <laughs> Holy cow! Hey, you know it's funny when you because people get they get so upset because you know why they want draft day to matter. I don't care about draft day. I don't care about draft parties. When we drafted AJ Brown, did we care about that first round pick then? Nope. Last time I checked, we didn't give a damn. We didn't on draft night. None of us I thought. Forgot, but they, I forgot they was like, were the Saints involved in that or something? Um, no, it was just it was just Tennessee and Philly. It was just Tennessee. Okay, oh yeah, all right. Fair you know what I mean? Uh, like, let's be real. We were talking about them drafting. Either, How did we get the Saints one? Um, I think that was. Oh, that happened. Um, that wasn't that what that was a swap. That oh, was a okay. swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. that was a swap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I tried. I told Calarulo today, and I and I, by the way, you know, uh, I think he's maybe a Northern Italian. He tells me Sicilian. I don't know. I told him. I said this about Kelsey, and the reason why Kelsey's instrumental in coming back. I said Kelsey's instrumental in coming back for one reason. If you're going to have a brand new formula and how you're going to approach, mm -hmm. and you struggled in blitzing. Don't you want the most experienced center in the league to make those line calls? Why would you want Cam Jurgens or someone else who's mm -hmm. not experienced where you've struggled at something? Wouldn't you want the guy? He's not the – get this. He's not the fifth best guy. He's the best guy. Exactly. He's not top ten. He's Especially top one. Especially when you're making a transition. Right. He's top two and he's not two. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dude, if you, had, if you had like a high-powered offense going and a high-powered outcome – and your quarterback was great against blitzes, and you were making a move, uh, and and Kelsey wanted you making no move. I mean, and Kelsey wanted to retire. Okay, we draft a center. It's a priority. Right. 
It's the second most important position on the O-line, in my opinion. You don't do it when you ran out of gas at the end of the year, you're making a complete overhaul in your coaching staff, and you say, hey, get this, let's just put a new dude in there. Hey, man, that quarterback is just as important to that offensive approach, mm-hmm. and I think the center is just as important. A lot, of, a, a lot, a lot of changes in the brain trust so far. You change Jason Kelsey, you move, you move Jason Kelsey. Now you're just you're you're, you're disaster. You're 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 flirting on, like you, you said it best. You're flirting with disaster. It can get a little tricky, in, in my humble opinion. I don't know if I like Cam Jurgens, but if Kelsey wants to come back, I'm rolling with that. Absolutely. All right, Tone. Appreciate it, my friend. Yes, sir. It's always fun talking to you, my friend. I love ruffling the feathers of the people. <laughs> That's good. That's my friend Tone. Jason Cole's gonna join us. We'll talk Super Bowl with him. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-X. Eagles. Sills, my problem with, again, 
I'm looking on my Twitter page here, and I'm looking at what people are saying about my Kingsbury story. Guys, it's not whether or not you like Cliff Kingsbury. It's more of the meddling problems that I have with what they're doing and what they're saying. That's my problem. My problem is, is that, okay, so a coach wanted to hire his own guys. What's wrong with that? Why are you so empowered yourself to think that you know what's best for a coach that you're trying to hire? So when you bring it, get this, I think the Eagles interview process is flawed. I think it's flawed. Just like I think their process with Hertz is flawed. Hey, man, congratulations. You won the lottery. You won your tell me I'm wrong here on this, um, on, on how they're looking at Hertz. Congratulations, Jalen. Right, Tone? Check it out. Congratulations, Jalen Hertz. You win what's behind door number one. $259 million. Congratulations to you. Come on in, man. Way to go. Sit, take a seat here. You know, I'll tell you what, man. Congratulations to you, man. You had a great 22. You you finished second in the MVP. But here's what we think. We'd like to see you develop more into being a passer. Okay. We'd like to see you like the rest of the guys that are in the league. Just in those two sentences, you're talking about completely getting away from who he is. And it's kind of an insulting conversation. Instead of saying this, congratulations, man. You won $259 million. And we're so happy with the way you play. We're going to do everything we can to bring the best out of you and to strengthen those strengths and strengthen those weaknesses all in the same time. And we're going to lean on how you got to this point right now. Instead, they brought you in. And when you make that kind of money, and I'm going to say something that Boomer Esiason said, now I get it. Jalen Hurts doesn't know how to say no. He doesn't know how to say no. If somebody's paying you $50 million a year, and they'd say they want to do this. Are you less likely to go, no, I'm not doing that? Or are you more likely to go, okay? I mean, he's less accessible. By the way, I don't know if that's him or the Eagles. It seems it's the Eagles. I'm going to assume it's the Eagles. Because anybody that we've ever talked to said that the kid is like, hey, you go up to him, he's Absolutely. He talks to the janitors. So I'm just going to assume it's an Eagle thing. The Eagles have made him less accessible. Okay. So you made him less accessible to his teammates? Why? Guess what the Eagles have done to this guy? They're like pampering him. You've made him less accessible. You gave him less coaching. And you gave him more money. And he's more apt not to say and fight you on any kind of decision-making process, whether it's firing Brian Johnson or bringing in Kellen Moore because he makes that kind of money. That's it, Hollywood. I love that take. The Eagles are kind of like sabotaging themselves. Why don't you just let shit play out? You overcook it. 
just like Nick Sirianni's press conferences. You're overcooking it. Let it be. Back up. Give it some air. Let it grow. What is your problem on rushing to everything? Get out of the way. Dude, they can't help themselves. And again, like I said, you may not like Kingsbury. You may not have liked him. That's not my take or my point here. My take and my point is, is that it's status quo operating meddling. Hey, we really like you, Cliff. We really, hey, Cliff Kingsbury is making so much money from Arizona. He could tell the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not interested in that. You know, you understand. That's why he could tell the Raiders to pound sand. He's in a position, he's still got money owed to him from Arizona. So he don't have to go and take a job because he has to take a job, like Eric Bieniemy did. He's not under that. He, he's still owed, like, what, two more years on that contract that he signed? Shit, they gave him an extension, and that year they fired him. He had three years. I think he's got two more, maybe one left on making the amount of money he was making. I mean, he could look at the he could look at the um, Raiders and go, "Nah, not for me. No, thank you." And he could take a look at the Eagles and go, "This is what I need and what I want." What is wrong with that? You're hiring a court coordinator. This is what I want and this is what I need. You know why Vic is an easier hire? Because Vic's not going to sit around and look at college scouting and go, I want this guy from Mississippi State, or I want that guy from Indiana, or I want that guy from Wisconsin. He's not going to do that because that's not what he does. He's going to count on his personnel people to go like this. Here's the guys we looked at that you profiled for us, and this is kind of what we came up with. Who do you like, Vic? Vic's going to go, I like this guy. Just like Vic did when it came to Patrick Sertan. Vic was probably given a bunch of dudes. He looked at it and said, that guy's the best cover corner in the draft. Let's take him with one. Cowboys wanted him. The Cowboys, I'll tell you this. If Hey, you want to hear what I think the Cowboys would lie to you about right now? If you said this, hey, Dallas, if you had to go back in that draft and the Broncos hadn't taken Patrick Sertan, and you had the choice between Sertan and Micah Parsons. Who would they? Who do you think today the Cowboys would pick? Who do you think the Cowboys would pick today? If they had a chance to go back into the draft. Would you think they'd still take Parsons? Or would they want the best cover corner in the NFL? Oh, we'd want Parsons. Parsons. Parsons is no Patrick Sertain. No Patrick Sertain. Okay. Look at Cali Green. We don't care about the Cowboys. You should. They're in your division, dickhead. 
Absolutely. You know, I gotta I gotta give this up to Jason Cole because Jason Cole said earlier he was out in San Francisco. Uh, I want to say about three months ago, and he was watching that team, and he was watching them, and he, he got an up close look at what they're doing personnel wise, Kyle Shanahan, and what he's doing, and to see where Brock Purdy is. See, I I, I hear people doing this to Brock Purdy. Hey, Brock Purdy, man, he's got a lot of pressure on him. I don't think Brock Purdy has any pressure on him. I think he's playing with house money. He's going against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's crazy. Mahomes has all the pressure because he's fighting legacy, not just the 49ers. He's in a legacy part of his career right now. Hall of Fame had some names, looks like they're going to come out with, uh, supposedly come out tomorrow, but the Chicago Tribune came out with a couple names. And we'll talk to Jason Cole. Some of those guys are the veteran committee. Here's our friend Jason Cole. How are you? Talk to me, man. I mean, Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, or Andy Reid? In your opinion, what's the bigger storyline? I don't know. I think it's all pretty glorious. Like, you know, you got Mr. Irrelevant against the best quarterback in the league right now. You've got a coach who's trying to get into the three Super Bowl category um, versus a guy who's desperate to win his first um, and is living, you know, trying to trying to prove to himself that he's the equal of his father. You know, it's something that they're both really passionate about. I mean, I, there's there's drama everywhere you look at it. I'm not sure I can pick one that I find better. I mean, look, there is there's probably nothing better than Mr. Irrelevant winning a Super Bowl, aside from the guy who was the grocery clerk, Kurt, you know, Kurt Warner winning the Super Bowl. Like those are those are magical stories, um, and they just don't happen very often. You know, it's like once every 20, 25 years. So we have one of those moments. Can Brock Purdy pull this one off? But like ultimately, from a pure football standpoint, if you take the Hollywood side of it out of it, my question is really about like Nick Bosa, Hargrave, uh, Eric Armstead, Chase Young. Are you gonna play the whole game? <laughs> you gonna show you up? You better. Right, but you're gonna show up like this ain't Green Bay where you've got away with mediocre play. It ain't Detroit where you were awful for the first half and then you put it together in the second half. This is Patrick Mahomes' good offensive line. Granted, not great weapons, okay? Not blowing anybody away right now. But, look, 49ers, you built your team on that defensive line. Those dudes need to show up. You know, Nick Bosa, you held out the big money and nobody squawked everybody said you deserve to get paid you had a, you know you had a down season and you've only flashed now you had two sacks against detroit you came through in the big moments but it better be from down number one all the way through the down number 70 did you guys better show up in this game because you're facing the best there is right Jace, do you agree when um, you look at Brock Purdy going into this, 
he's four and one entering the Super Bowl Sunday in the postseason. He's been to two NFC title games. He's won one, and he's 60 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl, and he makes $870,000. And I keep bringing that up for folks because it's relevant on how you build teams because you start with money, talent's important, lining up the stars and getting a rookie contract that you can do all kinds of things with your roster with. It's just as bad as the Trey Lance thing was. This is like the perfect storm. I mean, I'm not calling him Montana, and I'm not calling him for sure young. But, I mean, have you seen anything like this? Is well, the sour cap here. Yeah, I mean, again, Kurt Warner and a sour cap era was the same kind of thing. And I, I will say this. I'm going to push back on this part of the whole getting the quarterback on the rookie contract thing. The cap is so big right now. 245 expected to be. Right. So I know that it's still a lot to pay a quarterback, you know, 35, 40, 45 million dollars a year. I get it. I'm not trying to say that that's a small thing. But even when you pay him 45 million dollars, you have close to 200 million dollars left to pay the rest of your roster. And you still got plenty of opportunity to pay, pay plenty of guys, even with with big with bloated contracts. Like, does it help? Sure. Has have the 49ers done a really good job of getting McCaffrey and Kittle and paying Debo and uh, paying Trent Williams and Nick Bosa? Yes, absolutely. But they've made some other choices too. Like they let Buckner go, who they could use, right? Yeah, they you know, sent they moved him to Indianapolis. Right, they moved to Indianapolis. They've had to make some choices on on letting guys go, so it's not it's not just a free for all. Jace, I'm 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 going to throw this at you here about Kyle Shanahan. Boy, man, I mean, you talk about pressure on a coach. Right now, you're in the midst. You got to validate your career, in my opinion, because if you don't, you're going to start looking in the conversation, and people are going to start talking about Bud Grant. Not that those coaches are bad. But you're gonna look. You look at Dan Marino lift different than you do Elway, and so you're gonna look, especially coaches, because you can't perform. You're gauged on your one loss record postseason, and what do you do when it comes to titles? It kept Coriel out for a while because they had to make up a new category for him to get in contributor this and that. But he was never getting in as a head coach. But he was brilliant. Is Shanahan in that conversation now? I mean, you gotta. He doesn't win, and he loses another one. You're talking Atlanta meltdown. You're talking a couple of years ago when he was the head coach. Now you're talking about another one here. That would be, in essence, three Super Bowls that he was a part of that he lost. I mean, we're getting near to Marv Levy stuff here a little bit, aren't we? Not that those guys are bad. I'm just no, saying. They're, they're, these, are these are quality coaches, but there's a difference between being a Super Bowl winning yeah. coach and not being a Super Bowl winning coach. I mean, you can still – Marv Levy's in the Hall of Fame. I get it. So is right, Bud Grant. Right, and those guys are quality coaches. I, you know, we, we get that, but yeah, there's a difference, and there's a, like there's a difference, not just for your legacy individually, but the reason that that Kyle Shanahan coaches is because he fell in love with it watching his dad do it. Right, and there's a deeper sense of want of a comp of of necessary accomplishment that when you sit next to your dad 
can you feel like you did accomplish what your dad did? And I don't mean that in a negative way, like you're going to look at your dad and you're going to be jealous, but like, you know, you're, when you're a kid, you want to be better than your dad. You're, you're kind of sec secretly competing with him a little bit. You know, Isn't that, wouldn't that be the first duo father son to win the Super Bowl as head coaches? Yeah, they would be. Yeah, there's nobody out that I can remember. You know, they, they, no, I don't know that there's anybody else who's a father son. Um, yeah, I mean, this is your legacy. This is what this is what you fell in love with doing. This is what you did. Like you went to training camp to watch your dad do this, and you imagined to yourself being like your dad, right? Wanting to have have that opportunity to match it, to to talk ball with your dad, to work for your dad at one point in time along the way, because it meant so much to you. So yeah, I think there's an enormous amount of pressure that is above and beyond just, I need to win a Super Bowl to edif as edification for my career. It's edic edification of your whole being almost, of what you are. So yeah, I, Kyle Shanahan, I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. The joy I heard that it John Lynch told me the other night that he's chomping at the bit to get out there Sunday because, get this, check this out, Jace. He, John Lynch walked into his room the other day mm -hmm. in Vegas, and they were he was looking at the Atlanta Super Bowl, four plays, and it's on a reel, and it's on a loop, and it's on a loop, and John yeah. looking at him. It's like six, pl seven plays, I think he said. It's on a loop. It's on a loop. Yeah. It's on a loop. He looked over it's at John. John goes, hey. And he goes like this. I can't wait to get out there, man. Because see what I did? I overcoached here. Not doing that again Sunday. This guy can't wait to get out there, dude. He's been, he looked two times he's been this close, right? Yeah, and one of the times he's look the the Atlantic game, <clears throat> they had it. They had he screwed it up. I mean, Quinn screwed it up too. There's blame to go around. Yep, yep. Not, you know, let, let's not. It's not Kyle by himself. But sometimes you and I have talked about it. When you're playing the clock in the fourth quarter and you need to go up that third score, it's like Dan Campbell. Everybody's saying, "Oh, you know, live by the sword, you die by the sword." This is your identity. No, that's not true. Sometimes you have to sit there and go, yes, I'm going to gamble a lot of the time. But sometimes I just have to play really basic strategy, not advanced strategy. But you go up three scores midway through the third quarter when they've only got basically three or four your three or four possessions to go. you got to put the pressure on them to score all the time. And you have to peel back off of that, that, that gambling at that point in time. Yes, you're – you got here, as, as Anzalone said this week, we got here because of, of the willingness of Dan Campbell to gamble. But sometimes you have to sit there and say, I, I've won. I, I, I'm playing on house money. It's now time to, to peel back. Kyle Shanahan's got to do that sometimes. You should have taken the field goal, you know, to put you up three scores when you were in, in the game against the Patriots for Atlanta, right? You should have just done that. You should have run the ball into the middle, run clock, forced the Patriots to use their timeouts, gotten the third score up, and walk away from the game. Sometimes football is just a meathead exercise, okay? It's not complicated X's and O's. 
Sometimes it comes down to just run the ball into the middle, play the clock, take your points, move on. Jace, I'm going to ask you a question here about the um, postseason here and Andy Reid. I put these four coaches down, and I got kind of an asterisk on the fourth one when it came to my Mount Rushmore of postseason NFL head coaches. I got Belichick. I got Noel. I got Gibbs. And I got Reed or Lombardi. No Walsh? The reason I put the reason I put Gibbs is because they were three different quarterbacks. Oh, look, Gibbs to me, and I said it a while ago, he's the number Lombardi, one. Lombardi. One loss. Lombardi's Lombardi. I, 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 look, I think that Joe Gibbs is maybe the greatest coach of all time because he made quarterbacks replaceable parts. Now, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you're that's idiotic. No, 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 no. no. You does really Reed be, does Reed belong in that conversation? Say you absolutely. want to put absolutely. I mean, but you, you know, you've missed some guys like you know, obviously Paul Brown, different league, different era. But you win seven titles in, in ten years. I like, probably should have quantified it Super Bowl era. Yeah, I mean, I, I get which I get where you're going. Um, Shula, but yeah, Reed's, Reed's Reed is up there. Shula's up there. Um, Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan, two Super Bowls, brilliant coach. Yeah, back to back, and and also coaching other teams. You know, the 49ers and and Steve Young. How do you to, look at Reed? Super Bowl. He's in that top. He's in the top ten of all time, and he's edging up toward the top five. And if he gets far over three hundred wins, like. How much longer is he going to coach? Is he going to coach another five years? Because if he coaches another five years, if he coaches another five years, he's closing in on Shula. He'll 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 be over three hundred wins. Oh well, he's he's already. I think he's. I think he's already. The question is, well, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about he's got a chance. It's an outside chance. A lot of things have to go right, and you know the. The quarterback has to stay healthy and the this and the that, right? There are all sorts of things that have to happen. But if he coaches another five years, and I think he's with playoff victories, he's probably at 300 already. He's got a chance at Shula's record. And he's got a chance at, you know, passing Belichick. And um, all of a sudden you start getting up there. If you get, you get to a fourth Super Bowl in this era, you know, you're challenging – you know, Belichick's legacy uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, he – look, the other thing that I will always say about Reed that people don't recognize is I don't think that's ever been a better coach at maximizing every quarterback he's ever had. Now, Gibbs won three titles with three different quarterbacks, so that's interesting. But if you look down the line, every you know, whether it's Donovan McNabb, there were there was Michael Vick in the Philly years. five NFC was, title appearances whether, in Philly. Was six. Kevin Cobb, um, AJ AJ Feely, um, Alex Smith, right? Every one of those guys essentially had his best years. Yep, playing for Andy Reid. It is 
to maximize quarterbacks, get the most out of them. I mean, he even had influence to a certain extent on Brett Favre. I'm not going to give him full credit for Brett Favre. But every guy that he's been associated with at the quarterback position, you can say that guy got the most – he got the most out of those guys without question. You think he – you think he moved past his mentor, Mike Holmgren? Yeah, I think he has. Uh, and Mike's a great coach and probably great coach. No shade. Yeah, no shade. Great coach. You know, top, you know, took two different teams to Super Bowls, could have won, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he passed, he passed Mike. Um and there's and there's the other thing about it is, you know, where Belichick is a curmudgeon and everybody has a has an issue dealing with Belichick. You know, you might you might like him, you might like him, but you know he's a pain in the ass. Everybody loves Andy Reid. I mean, everybody loves Andy Reid. Uh, people do not say a cross word about Andy Reid. They just don't. Yeah. That's a really great quality that I didn't think about that. You know, most of those those coaches like Hallis and Shula and Man, Parcells. They were, they, were, they were all ball busters to they the point. They were all with their guys and no one else. It was an inclusion situation. You know what I mean? They had their dudes. Nobody could come in. Andy Reid's like, whoever helps us win, we're going to win with. It doesn't really matter who you he, are. He, he, and, he, like, and he's not trying to – He's he's got – I remember they used to say this about Dusty Baker in baseball. Like, what, whoever you are, whatever kind of guy you are, you're you're welcome. Like like let's go. Let's just go play. Let's go have a good time. Let's do this thing, right? And Dusty Baker, Andy reads that same way. And I've done some research, you know, in preparation with him. Um, and I you know I know that background, a lot of that background about it. He's just he's a genius that way of making people feel good about themselves, no matter who they are, whether people you're Michael. He Vick, takes, he take people tell me, Jason, he takes place from 1940. Uh, world championship game or he'll take something from a high school that's in the local Kansas City area he'll take a look at it and he'll implement some things from that particular play put it in his own game plan for the next week because he's not afraid to gamble because one you got 15 and second that you got the ability because you know what you've been doing for the last 20 some years I mean he he's really comfortable in his own skin and what he is and who he is and how he deals with himself because, you know, when you're a coach like that, the one thing that you know f- covering us and players and coaches, the insecurity factor is at an all-time high when you're There's, in that yeah, there, and And he has things to be insecure about, you know, to be uncomfortable about, to be nervous about. You know, like the, the story is about, you know, what happened to his kid, his kids, you know. I mean, those are those are uncomfortable stories to deal with. Yet he doesn't. He never makes it about himself. He just yeah. accepts people for the, who he, who they are, whether that's within his own family or whether that's the players or whether it's really the media. And never puts people in really uncomfortable positions. Like, I've only seen him really yell. I, you know, he's like a coach. He'll snarl every once in a while, and he'll get into it with reporters a little bit and disagree and argue about certain stuff. But I've never really seen him just lay somebody out you know, the way Shula or Jimmy Johnson would. But my, my funniest story is that 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 Monday night game between the Rams and the Chiefs a few years ago, 
supposed to be played in New Mexico, but it was played at the Coliseum. Right, and and the middle of that game, it's what was I don't know, was a fifty-one forty-five game. Yeah, like and all that. of a sudden, like remember, he's talking to the officials, and and Jared Goff walks over toward the sideline, and Jared Goff says something, and all of a sudden, just like the walrus comes out and goes, he just he just like get over to your side. You know, you can just see him the competitive nature, but that wasn't like insulting Jared Goff. That was just like. Get out of my conversation. I'm you go do your thing. Well, you know, you twerpy little quarterback, that kind of thing. I mean, it was fun, right? It wasn't personal. No, I, 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 I absolutely like watching him coach. Let me ask you something about Mahomes. We're now getting it to a point here. It's his fourth Super Bowl. I mean, we're moving at least in the conversation of the Elways and the Aikmans and the Bradshaws and the Montanas and the Brady's. I'm not saying he's better or worse than any of those guys, but he's in that room now. I never thought we'd see a guy following up like uh, what we saw with Brady. It just looked more effortless. Brady was more of the workman. Brady put the time and Brady looked like he labored early in his career with hard work. And it just looks like it comes so easy to him. Like it came easy to Elway. Elway people don't realize when Elway was on the field, there wasn't anything he couldn't do. Okay. That's right. not common when you have guys. And when I watch Mahomes, there's nothing he can't do. And they look so effortless. It's kind of like that to me when I'm watching him. I mean, that's what I see with him. He reminds me more. Look, does he have the strength of John? No. Does he have the does he have the power of John and the arm? No. Does he, but well, he doesn't. He doesn't. Well, I'll, 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 I'll disagree with you. I'll disagree with you. I think the arm talent is every bit. You think pronounced. he throws as hard a football as John? Not as hard, but he can wing it. He can get it wherever he needs to get it. Like I don't think there's a part of the field he can't get the ball. It's I think John can throw football through the Great Wall of China. He could. He throw a ball hundred yards. I mean, it's just, I've seen it. Yeah, it's uh, I've seen it. Hey, you want, like, Jason? Let me tell you a quick story before you go on and expand on what that what I asked you. Check it out. Kelly and him were at the University of Miami, and it was he because Vinny was a senior in '86, and they were down from Miami doing a shoot on something. And those two guys stood on the goal line. Vinny threw it to the 85-yard line. Kelly threw it to the 90. Elway put it in the back of the end zone. Yeah. On the fly. He could could do that as a freshman in college coming out. Jason took two steps. Yeah. I mean, I thought you'd have to at least take a five-step. He took. You thought, it was gonna be a, you thought it was going to be a crow hop and a, and a yeah. running start and a crow hop and a wing it. No. no Wham! It's, and you're like, we're sitting there. Jimmy Johnson looks over, and I go, he threw that ball 105 yards, not 100 yards. Oh, and yeah. he is, and everyone in the – everyone there – and he, he, I think he did it twice. Oh, yeah. He and you that. think Mahomes is that? Mahomes can get it wherever he needs it on the field. And and the other thing about that Mahomes had is, and Elway has this and Rogers, Rogers has this, the shortstop arm, 
do you know what I'm talking about? Like when a shortstop is coming up the middle yep. and has to like come around and throw it sidearm as, as their weight is carrying this way and they have to drop down and rifle a ball to get it back across their body and fit it, right? He can do that. Mahomes can do that every bit as well as Elway. Can you throw it, you know, can you throw it 100 yards like that? No, he can't. And probably the only guys who can are the Josh Allens, the Jamarcus Russell, you know, guys guys like that. Jeff George, maybe. Jeff George. Like yeah, Jeff George could really wing it, too. So, no, he's not quite like that. But, again, if you have to get a ball 70 yards downfield, I think he can reach it, right? If you have to get a ball, you know, and any kind of tough-fitted throw he can make or any kind of throw on the run. Like Peyton Manning could never drop down and throw a sidearm. I think he's like better that. than Peyton Manning. As a thrower? Yeah, but as a quarterback. You know, as a quarterback, probably. I mean, we're we're getting into that area. Um, I mean, he's still got a lot to do. I mean, Peyton had a hell of a career. And Peyton, if not for Tom Brady. <laughs> it's a great point because it's like Phil Mickelson in the Tiger Woods era. Right. Like, you know, how if, if if you just don't have Tom Brady, you've got probably five or six rings yourself, right? Yes. You got to go, go up against that. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's Jordan special. And Dre- it's Jordan and Drexler. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Drexler's not. Drexler well, was, Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah right. I, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing to watch. It's incredibly fun. He's the best quarterback. He is a he is a dream killer for other quarterbacks. Is right he a now. top five all time? He's closing in on it. Yeah, there's there's still a little more work to be done. But let's just say this: if he never, if he, for God forbid, if he retired, you know, on uh, you know, Monday. if he wins and retired Monday, would he be a Hall of Famer? Probably. Yeah. Three Super Bowls, three MVPs, yeah. most likely. Yeah. I don't know. It's all-time it's, single it's, season yardage guy. I mean, well, think about this: what he's gone through, the, the the what he's gone through to get to the Super Bowl this year. You beat Tua and the Dolphins, not not that hard, you know, at home. But then you go beat Josh, you beat you know Lamar Jackson. Like that's ever been as good as what, what who Peyton go through in his last year. He went through Roethlisberger, he went through Brady, he went through Cam Newton, and then there was one other guy in there. I'm trying to remember, you know, like you know that Peyton went toe to toe with a bunch of big big stars on his last hurrah. This is this is pretty close to that. Who do you got Sunday? Hey, if you're pointing, if you're pointing a gun to my head, I'd probably bet on Kansas City. But I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out because I don't think that the the 49ers are going to fall into the same trap that Baltimore fell into of having to of throwing too much, and they'll be patient enough to take yards. Um, and I do think, look, I do think when we talk about you know the defensive line, Bosa and all those guys. It was one thing to play against, you know, Jordan Love and Jared Goff in the in the first two games. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it, it's Mahomes. Like you better be on your game, and you almost lost to Detroit, 
he ba barely survived. So I like the chances that the 49ers have. It's just really hard to bet against the best you, the best quarterback and the best coach. When you have the best quarterback and the best coach on your side, you're a pretty good you're a pretty good betting favorite. Jace, do you know what this team, this 49 or this um Kansas City Chiefs team reminds me of? That 81 Niner team where it was Montana and Walsh in a bunch of dudes. I mean, the yeah. defense, obviously, they had a lot over there. They're not taken away. They had four pro bowlers in the secondary. Uh, but they had – they, 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 they have a lot in that? Yeah, they did. I think it was 80 – yeah, yeah lot was, was in there because yeah, lot, lot was, was drafted with Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so was, this is what they had on offense. Burt Cooper, Freddie Solomon. I believe Dwight Clark, obviously, because he had to catch in the back of the end zone. They have Wendell Tyler running from UCLA. Mm -hmm. Randy Cross is at the center position. Famous Amos Lawrence. That's right. Amos Lawrence was, that's right, um, from North Carolina. I look, it's kind of like that. It's a bunch of cast of characters. And you just made a great point. When you had the coach and the quarterback, and, and Ken Anderson is a borderline Hall of Famer himself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you had you had a Forrest Gregg, who I don't know. I mean, whatever you want to think about Forrest, I didn't think he was horrible. But at the end of the day, I mean, Walsh in Montana, Reed in Mahomes, it kind of looks the same. I'd say that Kansas City's defense is better than that 49er defense. Really? Um, overall, overall. Like, you know, Ronnie Lott is a better player. Axel Reynolds. No, they had, they had look. They had really good players. I'm not saying White that Hicks. Um, right, but I'm just saying that that Tina was. Turner. A, it was. A, it's it, look. This group with Chris Jones, um, Karloftis is a good player. Is you know I think it's an underrated player as a pass rusher. The back end guys. Two corners. McDuffie, the two yep. corners. McDuffie reads a good player. It's a it's a pretty balanced group, you know. Like uh, the linebackers, good. Um, they got some guys. I just think, and the way that they play together, and Spagnola, look, Spagnola's got a role. And this is the best defense of the Mahomes era. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying anything that nobody else said this year, um, but it's the best. It's the best, and it is covering for the fact that, like, I, I said this a bunch of times. If they just catch the ball during the regular season, <laughs> they went I'm not talking games. about. I'm not talking about like go make a big play and diving this. I'm just talking. If you just catch the ball, just catch it, not hard catches. Just you know, Valdez Scantling, catch the ball. Kadarius Tony, catch the ball. Just catch the ball. They probably win three more games. And we're talking about them being one of the powerhouses all time because they're hosting yeah. every game of the playoffs. That's the kind of frustrating season that they have. But they're so talented, particularly at quarterback and tight end and a coach and the overall defense that you know they've gone from kind of kind of shuffling their way through the season to they're I know they're not the, the I know they're not the Vegas favorite. But I looked at what was it um, the other day? ESPN had all of its writers, it's all of its NFL writers, 
pick who they thought that was going to win the Super Bowl. And 49 out of the 64 writers said Kansas City. So the, I think there's a perception that Kansas City is the favorite in this game. And again, they got Mahomes and Reed. That's right. Position. That's right. Um, Jace, I know the Hall of Fame. I think that comes out tomorrow. Is that right? The tonight. Names? Tonight, Thursday night. Tonight, this okay. NFL, being, NFL honor shoot. Yeah, it's being reported that. By the way, before I ask this, do you know who made it? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's being reported that Devin Hester, Julius Peppers, and Steve McMichael have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Before I ask others, um, I'm not going to ask you whether they have or they haven't. Um, just maybe a, a synopsis on those three guys and your spin on those three guys. If it turns out to be true, the Chicago Tribune has, yeah, I, saw, um, I, I saw the report. I saw it. Um, like this, or this is this too uncomfortable for you? No, it's fine. I mean, um, I can't say whether they made it or not. I, I agreed. Um, and I'm not going to, and I'm not going to sit here and like try and, you know, crap on somebody's reporting because I don't think that's worth this, okay? Other than, you know, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, there's an incredibly qualified group. You saw the ballot of 15 modern era finals. I did. You could you could have picked, you could have picked any five and looked good in that in that group. Pretty much any comment. Some looked better. I would say you know, Julius Peppers' numbers speak for themselves, and when you looked at him as a player. You know, it would I think Julius Peppers is better than Fred Dean. I think Julius Peppers is one of the absolutely most underrated because of him playing in Carolina. But when you look at his overall play on what he was as an edge rusher, how great an athlete he was, he was the sixth man on the UNC national championship team. He was like the Tony Gonzalez of defensive ends over on the defensive side. Yeah. He was maybe one of the most underrated defensive linemen as an end rusher in the last 30 years. I'll say this. He finished on my survey. Um, he finished number two behind Antonio Gates on my survey of, you know, when I asked people, name your top 15. He was right behind Antonio Gates. He did. He, he performed better on that survey comparatively than Joe Thomas or Darrell Rivas who, you know, maybe the best of their era at those respective positions, right? So to me, you know, incredibly deserving player. Devin Hester, fascinating case. How know, was that debate? You know, it's funny. I got it. I'm, 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 and I give you full disclosure here. Devin, two weeks ago, called me and goes, what do you think? I go, you're an oddity. And he goes, does that mean asshole? And I go, no, I go, no, it doesn't. It just means you're like white shoes. Johnson. You're like but better, but better, but better, but you're like, you never really had a position, but you had an impact. So they had to come up with a way of looking at your impact more than your position. It's funny, Jace, he never had a position at Miami university of Miami. Uh, we, everyone, and, and that was one of the arguments against him. Right, because you know what? Miami, they tried him at wideout. He wasn't very good. They tried him at DB. 
He wasn't very good. So he never had a position. But yet you watch him in a game. Shit, the kickoff. The kickoff rule is changed because of him. Because of the impact that he had on taking that ball to the house. I mean, they changed the kickoff rule. Let's put it this way. On a lot of games, even before they changed the rules, when the kickoff happened, you're probably getting up and saying, okay, I'm going to take a bathroom break and get a drink. Or I'm going to do this. You know, you might, you know, like, you know, you're not always paying attention on the kickoff. When Devin Hester was back returning, you didn't move. Right? Was like, that, didn't... was the room, was the room split on that guy when they were debating? Was that was a more, long debate? I would, say, I would say we had that argument that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, we had that argument last year, okay? And we knew what that argument was. And either you dealt with it and said to yourself, look, he's just a freak of nature at what he does. And he's the greatest ever to do what he does. Or you sit there and go, I got a hard time voting for a guy who couldn't play somewhere else. Like, you have to just, you have to reckon with that decision yourself. And I... And I had to reckon with that decision. And eventually, because of what other people said about him, you know, I came around to, yeah, this is this is a Hall of Famer. I'm not going to tell you how how the room went this year, but I know personally, I thought going in that he was a strong candidate. I know this guy's on the senior committee, and I'll tell you what I posted on my Twitter and also on my Facebook. I got a friend of mine. Ron Onesta has a fundraiser for Mon Mongo and I'm involved with it and I'm helping raise money. But when someone asked me the question about the veterans committee, putting him in reportedly by the Chicago Tribune, I got asked the question and the bear fans ripped me for it. But I said, you can't have two pro bowls and make it to the pro football hall of fame. And I think this is a sympathy vote. And I hate saying that. And I don't mean to be that way, but whether you're ill or not has no bearing on your resume. Steve McMichael was a great football player. He was instrumental in the 85 Bears. He was a absolutely sensational inside tackle. But to put him in the room with Randy White and Bob Lilly and guys like that, not a chance. Not a chance. I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue against that point. Okay. It's just um, I look at I look at Warren Sapp, Randall. I I, I look at John Randall and Joe C. Green McMichael. I don't. He did have over 100 sacks, I think, or 95. You know, I uh, think I I I was stunned that he, he worked up that. It, it moved the room for me a little bit when I saw his number, and I didn't know he was up that high near 100. For yeah, he's, up there, he's up there in Warren's. He's up there in Warren's territory. Um, yeah, well, I'll say this: he's got more sacks than Fletcher Cox, and I think Fletcher's a heck of a ball player. Right, uh, and they played slightly different function and all that kind of stuff. But look, Mongo had a great career. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more than that, other okay. than I have made the point many times that. Um, I've said it in the room. I've said it to the people in charge of the Hall of Fame. I worry about we had we had three senior finalists this year. Yep. We had Powell, 
McMichael and uh, who am I? Who am I? The coach. Oh, Gratisher, Gratisher. The coach, Buddy Parker, was um, a contributor candidate. Okay. Um, but we had three players who were senior candidates this year. Again, McMichael, Art Powell, the wide receiver, Randy Gratishar, the linebacker. I do worry about us putting too many guys in the Hall of Fame. And while Gratishar is a seven-time Pro Bowl. Randy Grashar was like that's that's my era when I started to fall in love with football, right? Like he's not a Hall of Famer. No, Grashar is not a Hall of Famer. He's on the ballot this year. That's all I can say. But there is a there is a consideration <laughs> to be made about like there's a few guys who get missed, but every time you put somebody in. You have to think, what impact does that have on the qualifications of other people? And so, as I argued with Buddy Parker, as we talked, and most people don't know Buddy Parker, but he won back-to-back titles with Detroit in the 50s. You know, it was a 12-team league, all these other things. I was not a big on Buddy Parker as a candidate because I never saw him work. I don't, you know, and nobody ever, and nobody's ever come up to me and said, <laughs> God, you should know what Buddy Parker did. Um, that's never happened. So I was dubious about that one. Um, but I would I would just say if if a guy like Buddy Parker goes in, how do you then view guys like George Seifert, who I think was a terrific coach? How do you view Dan Reeves, who I think was a terrific coach? Don't quite see him as a Hall of Famer, right? No. Don't quite don't quite buy into that, right? There's if Seifert doesn't go to Carolina, he probably makes it. Yeah. Dude, his maybe, maybe. In San Francisco was stupid great. I know it was stupid great, but it wasn't like his team. I'm just not like I was there, I watched it. I, I like I think he was he's a great I caddy. couldn't stand a guy, but it's okay. I mean <laughs> he's a great he's a great he's a great caddy. Is a great, you know, like. <laughs> All right, and, and gonna, that's probably that's probably unfair. That's probably that's probably rude and unfair. So I apologize for that. But how about I this? I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was a seminal great coaching. He's he's not. Um, will Eagle fans be happy tonight? Um, I don't don't ask. Because that gets me in trouble. Like this. Okay, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. It gets me, that, those kinds of questions do get me in trouble. Man. <laughs> and 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 rightly so. This should be a spe- this should be a special. <laughs> hey, folks, this is the only way I can make it up. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Show the book. Show the book. Show the book. Shut up. Your kid's not that great. That's yeah, it. That's, that's, that's it. Going right there. Buy the book. It's great. Right. Jace, I love you so much, man. Thank you so much, man. Right, I really dude. appreciate we'll see you, it. Sir. Enjoy Sunday. You got it. Our friend Jason Cole. Should be interesting tonight to see who ends up making it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show.
Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Please hit the like button, Big Sills. Um, Howie Roseman's formula on building a defense is what? What would a word you would use when it comes to Howie Roseman and how he builds his defense. By the way, you know, I, I've heard people say, and I even think I heard you say it, Tone, that the strength of the Eagle defense this year is their front and their D-line. Joshua Hassan Reddick, um, Carter, Milton Williams, and Davis all failed to get home this year. Not Hassan, underutilized and mismanaged. But that front did not perform well this year for 17 weeks. And again, you guys like to, some of you like to do this. Well, they were good for when they were 10 and 1. What happened? Dude, it's 17 weeks. Stop doing that. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to come up with excuse. You make... Anytime you hear people cut a season up or cut 
part of a story up. What you do is, what you're doing is you're trying to compromise something to validate a take you're doing. Like, hey, like, and, and again, I, I'd, I'd love to have in our conversation with Calarulo this morning. Because Bill goes like this. Hey, Sills, till the 10 and 1, you know, record in the middle of the season, Jalen Hurts was the MVP. That means nothing. Because that's not the whole story. That means nothing. Jordan Davis looked like the best D tackle in the league. He finished a third. That doesn't tell the story. You can't segment an NFL season like that and go, well, they played good for a little bit, you know, so we have something to work with. Because then you're fooling yourself. No, this is who you are. Okay? And the problem that you have with the Eagles is that they have 11 wins, right? But you're not look you're looking at the 11 wins, but you're not looking at the 1 and 7. You're looking at the 11 wins. And what you're doing is you're looking at the glass half full instead of looking at it all. What do you think you represented more? What 10 and 1? Or one and seven. What 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 do you think you're more apt to call the team? Did you are you closer to the one and seven team or the ten and one team? Hey hey, by the way, Callie Green, I apologize for calling you the dickhead thing earlier. Accept my apology. Okay, sometimes Big Sales gets over his skis. So. Excuse me on that one. One and seven, one and seven. Coaching was a mess and internal issues. Towards, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think all of that played a factor. Okay? I think all of that played a factor. And in, in, in how the team ended up melting down like that. But here, I'll say this to you. Howie Roseman's philosophy and ways of building a football team are flawed. I mean, his approach is, is flawed. The formula he uses has to change. Okay. It has to change. Will it, you know, we, we, we talked, Tony and I were talking, you know, and I thought about the Patrick Sertain take last night i said what addresses listen you guys want to have a quick fix on your defense right you want to have a quick fix quick fix is not in the draft you are not going to fix your football team in the draft it's not it's not going to happen because you know why you have no core group of dudes over there on defense that you can rely on yet can you rely on Jalen Carter? Not yet. Can you rely on Jordan Davis? Not yet. Can you rely on Hassan Reddick? Not really. See, the problem with Reddick, again, he's a one-trick pony. You've got kind of an oddity there also at your edge rusher. He's not really a Swiss Army knife that can pass rush like Michael Parsons. He's a better pass rusher than Parsons. Parsons is a better player. 
just a better ball player. So you really don't have anything on Josh Sweat is probably your best football player on defense. Josh Sweat and Josh Sweat is the only guy in my eyes that I think is I think he's the best ball player and the biggest value guy. And and <clears throat> Tone's great. Um that that talent evaluation that when you go on the open market, let me put it to you this way. If Josh Sweat went on the open market, you'd have to pay him $20 million. Yeah, that's it. Spot rack. It's great. I'm right, right, Tone? If you put Josh Sweat on the open market right now, he's a $20 million a year guy. That's what his market value is. Okay. Fletcher Cox ain't no $20 million guy. Hassan Reddick ain't no $20 million guy. You really don't have anybody else but that guy. And that's how I look at value. How about this one? Tone goes like this to be technical. <laughs> and technically, $21.5 million. Ooh. 21.5 million bucks. Really? He's got another year on his deal, right? First rounder. And <clears throat> how old is he? I'm trying to get certain so bad. How how old is Josh Sweat? He's got to be 28. Got to be somewhere around there. He's got to be somewhere around $28 million. <clears throat> 26. He's 26. That's Max Crosby, Leonard Williams, and Trey Hendrickson's territory. Currently, he has an average salary of 13-3 and is 26. Would you trade him to the Broncos and give the Broncos a second-round pick for Patrick Sertan? They want a one because they're going to cut Wilson. They'd want a one. So I'm not giving up sweat and a one. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving a one and I'm not giving one and sweat up. I give Hassan Reddick and my first pick for Sertain. And you get to dump that salary and you can add that over. Whew. I like that. Trade Reddick, give him the one, get Sertain. You get the rookie deal and you get the fifth-year option and you make your team better immediately. And you got to count on Nolan Smith, Howie. You're, no, no, William, the Broncos want a one for him. And more than that, it better be a player of Josh Sweat's uh, ability. 
He's a $21.5 million value market guy. He's your most highest valued player on defense. No one else has a higher value. As a matter of fact, he's got to be one of the top three value market players on your entire roster, excluding the quarterback. I mean, he would have a higher market value than Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. He could have a higher market value than Malata, Lane, Landon Dickerson is about 18 million. Shit, if you think about it, outside of AJ and Jalen Hurts, there's nobody on your football team with a higher market value than Josh Sweat. That says a lot about the player who you guys say sucked. How can a guy suck and have almost $22 million in market value? Okay. How can he? Let's see here. No, but would you move? Would you move and try sweat on the other side and Reddick slide? I'm not saying Nolan Smith was a lousy selection. I'm not saying that. What about Bradbury and Sweat? And a t- no, William, the Broncos want a one. They need a one. Remember, they gave trap choices away for Russell Wilson, and they lost first round picks, a pick to New Orleans for Peyton. Okay. And for Peyton. Okay? <clears throat> Currently, Hassan Reddick has the largest cap hit for the Eagles at 21-3. Moving Reddick and a first for Sertan clears that off the cap instantly. Now we're talking here. Look at Tone here, man. He's using his calculator. That's exactly correct. That's how you do this. You guys... Some of you don't get it. That's exactly how you do this here. You're looking to get better right now. And the only way you get better is moving the money and the player and the value of the player. And this was one of the things that made New England so great. The thing that made New England so great, they moved players when they had value still. Not moving players like Jalen Rager who had no value. Or Andre Dillard, who you got nothing for. The next closest cap hit is Lane with 16-1. Reddick has to get moved while he has value. I completely agree. Personally, it, it would, I don't think that that's the kind of football player that Vic Fangio is going to want to coach. He's one-dimensional. You can't drop him in coverage. He's not a prototypical stand-up, put-your-hand-in-a-dirt kind of defensive end, okay? I like a Redick and a one for Sertan. And let's find out what we really have in Nolan Smith. Sorry, but we need to find – how about this too, Denny? Not only that, Denny, but I would draft another edge in the second round, Okay? 
I would draft. I would give him Reddick. Give him the first. Give me Sertan. And get, here's your secondary. Okay, here's your secondary. Slay, Sertan are your corners. Reed Blankenship, and then who? And, and then Tone. What's the kid's name that was on suspension? You put him back there too. And there's your four. There's your entire secondary. And you're upgraded immediately. And you're roughly between 10 and 12 when it comes to your past your pass defense. Dude, that's a good looking group. That's a great looking group. Yeah, Isaiah Rogers, Reed Blankenship, Darius Slay, and Patrick Sertan. How would you like to do this, Tone? Here's your secondary compared to what you just came out of. Put Isaac Rogers in that slot. Reed, Slay, Sertan in your back four. Boy, you're improved overnight. Then you can move to your linebacker. Get an experienced Mike. Draft a guy. You moved off the money with Reddick. Sign an edge guy. Now, look, I think the edge guys don't really bring a lot of value to me. There's a lot of older guys, and there's a lot of guys that are high-end money. I don't think it's a really good market for edge rushers. Okay, I just don't. Uh, Daniel Hunter, you're not paying 20. You're not going to pay 20 million. Get this. Josh Sweat has as much market value right now as Brian Burns does. You have Brian Burns. You you have Brian Burns right now. So, you know, people are they're looking at my their, my Twitter and we posted something and I said, "Yeah, make no mistake about it." You know, I, I, I think that's how you make yourself better immediately. Vic drafted him, as we said. Would you make a play for Patrick Queen or the kid from Kansas City, <clears throat> Gay Jr.? Man, if you put Gay Jr. in your starting lineup and you've got Zach Cunningham on the other side of him, you cover for that. Zach Cunningham. Gay Jr. and your linebackers, your secondary is Isaac Rogers, Slay, Sertan, and Blankenship. Your front four is Sweat, Davis, and Carter. You're going to have to replace an end over there because Bradbury or um, Brandon Graham is out. And in the second or third round, what you do is you draft yourself an edge rusher. I think you make your defense better overnight. Yeah, that's right, Tone. The Kansas City linebacker is going to only command around six million bucks. Queen's going to be around seventeen five. You're not going. To, you're not, he's not going to do that. You can solidify the position, and remember again, and balance your cap, and not get killed in trying to make sure that you go out. See, I think you have to do it that way. Get this. You can, you can fix your defense 
Maybe Rob's not crazy. You could fix your defense with Sertan. Gay Jr. from Kansas City at linebacker. At drafting an end. Resigning Cunningham. See, I don't mind resigning Cunningham if you could put a good player next to him. I don't. I think you would need more depth to tackle DT. And if you want to draft in the third round and use the fourth rounder at corner and safety, have at it. Here's the one thing I'll say to you that you have to ask a question about with Blankenship and, and Brown, why I know a lot of people are sold on him. Exactly. Cunningham can't be the best linebacker. I need it right. Cunningham has to be the second best linebacker because he's basically the second or third. You, you can't do this at the end of the year. Hey, I think Zach Cunningham had a good year. And your past defense was 28th. That you can't, you, you can't sell that. You you just you can't sell that. Um you can make your defense better immediately. And this is what you have to ask <clears throat> yourself with with Blankenship and Sidney Brown. How many people think Sidney Brown and Blankenship have a future with the Eagles? How many people think you have a future? Hollywood goes, Dan, do you have Bledsoe National Scouting Access? I do. I do. Tone says, Sidney Brown, yes. Reed, I'm unsure. <clears throat> MG says, Brown, yes. Blanket ship, no. Okay. Sydney to be determined. Matt, I like your take. Here, here's where I am. Blankenship and Brown, will they be healthy enough and stay healthy for me to count on? Brown's athleticism insane. Have to find a way to coach that. Well, shit, Tone, you had it in Denard Wilson. What happened? <laughs> You're breaking your heart. I think more balls. <laughs> uh, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know Hollywood, that Bledsoe, I have access to Bledsoe. My friends give me a code for Bledsoe every year. And so I check out with the Enoch. So people know, hey, hey, Hollywood, so I'm not wrong here on this. So you can let people know. Bledsoe is a scouting service that all 32 teams, including Howie, look at. I look at the same information that Howie Roseman looks at. Do you understand that? I can't post it publicly because my access would be denied. All of that is internal NFL stuff. And some of the folks in the NFL are comfortable with me as long as I don't post any of the information that's on it. 
It's all by, again, when you go to the combines, that's coming up here. Bledsoe will have their scouting team. And what they do is they put the top 300 talented kids that are invited to Indianapolis every year. And what they'll do is they'll start ranking kids. This kid does this. He's a good corner. He's the fifth-ranked corner. Now, it's not set in stone. But what they'll do is they have about 35 scouts that write reports on these guys. And then what they do is they hand them to the 32. Actually, I'll take that back, 31, because the Raiders are the only people that don't subscribe to it. The Raiders are the only people that don't subscribe to the Bledsoe Scouting Service. That the le- It's the leagues. They own it. So the Raiders don't subscribe to it. Um, and I think that goes back to the Elway deal when the Raiders had a deal for John Elway and Al said he would never in a million years ever be involved in anything in college scouting with the NFL ever again. I think it goes back that far, like to 83, that the Raiders have not been involved with it. Okay? And what it is is, is that all teams, including your team, Chris, the Eagles, use it. And what they'll, their scouts will do, they'll send their scouts to the players because there's about 5,000 kids that are eligible to be drafted. And what the Eagles will do, they'll take a look at top 100 guys. And what they'll do is they'll put a scout board together. And they'll put a scout board together and they'll look at who are the best corners, who are the best edge, who are the best centers. And then they'll determine in their own ranking who the better guy is. Bledsoe's just a sample size of what they see. Then the NFL teams, well, that's why you see a guy go like this. Like, like, um, what's the guy's name from? Um, um, what's the guy's name from uh, ESPN? He He's on that service too, because I see his name. I, all our emails are on that. What's the guy's name? that uh, is on that, that does that stuff all the time for the, for the scouting and for the draft every year. And what it is, is you look at it and sometimes you see guys and you get surprised in the draft because you know why? If you go by Bledsoe's draft, they put out yeah, Mel Kuyper. That's it. Thank you guys. They, they put out 30, they'll, they'll put out the top 32 first rounders and you'll look at it. Bledsoe will be completely different than how the draft will turn out because other teams We'll put a guy higher and go, that guy we think is better. So they'll take him. So it's not set in stone. It's just a benchmark for you to look at what certain guys do. That's what the service is. And I look at that, and I see who people are looking at. Because what you get is there's little stars on it, on teams. You can see the teams. Can I – do you want me to – no, I don't think I can tell you that. I don't think I could say what teams look at certain players because that's something that I think would be behind the scenes because what they have is they have these green dots, green, red, yellow. And what they do is you can see when teams are looking at a particular player and what it does, it moves that guy up and he's trending up to slot him in to like the eighth pick. And so, or if a guy's moving down a guy, that's why you hear a guy sliding in a draft. He's sliding on Bledsoe. He'll go from 8 to 14. And so that thing is a constant. It's like a stock market. Okay? It looks like a stock market. Stock goes up. 
Like I'll tell you, George, I'll tell you this about um Jordan Davis. Let's use him. Jordan Davis is around 25. What after the combines, he went from 25 to 10. Then it started going, you know, he only had nine sacks at Georgia. Yeah, you know, he only had 20 tackles in the season. He's not real productive. He's a hell of an athlete. Slides into 13. Eagles took him. That's how that works. Players are going to go up and down, like, like I said, like the stock market. Yeah, hey, and, and, it, and it really is pretty. And I check it daily. Like, who do you guys think the top draft pick is right now? Who do you guys think the top draft pick is in the NFL draft right now? It's Caleb Williams. You know who the guy is closing in on? Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. is getting a lot of play. And he's really moving up. And the team with the first pick in the draft has got to decide what they're going to do. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's Chicago. Right? It's Chicago that has the first pick in the draft. Is Chicago going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. for Justin Fields? Or are they going to trade down to two? Or are they going to trade down in the draft and try to get Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or get a quarterback? Or are they going to take Caleb, trade Justin? That's a debate in Chicago. That's that's debate in Chicago. And I got asked the question, I got asked a question by Dan Morgan. You guys know who Dan Morgan is? It's funny, man. You know what? You know, all the people that were so privileged to know. Dan Morgan's the new general manager. And I, I, I talked with him. Oh, by the way, Alonzo Highsmith has just left the University of Miami, and he's now taken an executive's position with the New England Patriots in the personnel department. Um, hey, 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 Tone, can you do me a favor or someone? Can you tell me what Alonzo's new? Alonzo gave me a heads up three nights ago that he was leaving as the CEO of the Miami Hurricanes, and he was taking a position with the Patriots. And Alonzo gave me a heads up because he and I talk about NFL drafting. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he's the um, he's now an executive with the Patriots in their front office. And Alonzo, and I posted a picture of me and Alonzo when we played at Miami together. And he's in the front office. And, you know, he's been asking me questions about certain guys. I told him I love this kid, Edger and Cooper. I hope the Eagles draft him. I like him a lot. And the, really, Chicago, Chicago's floating the pick around. Okay? They're floating the pick around because they, what they're doing. Why would you float the pick around? Correct. He's currently the Pat staff. 
um, exact role position has not been released. Okay, he's going to be in the personnel department here. Here's what, why do you think that the Bears are very careful right now on floating Justin Fields' name out? Because they're trying to keep the value of the player. And they're trying to hold value. And they're trying to balance that. Reports state he's a personnel executive. Yeah, I think he's going to be head of pro scouting or college scouting. That's it, it, I think he's going to be head of college scouting. He was hired yesterday. Yeah, he told me two nights ago. He goes, hey, I'm leaving Miami. And I go, He goes, look, the program's in a good place. And I'm like, ah, you know, they didn't listen to you enough. That's what I said. That's why he left. I don't think they listened to him enough. Lonzo, Lonzo Highsmith, is a, he worked in Green Bay forever. And I just told him, I don't think they listened to you enough. And he goes like this. You talked to Clint Hurt? I go, I did. He goes, so you got Clint Hurt as D-line coach. At the Eagles, you've got Carl Dunbar as the D-line coach in Pittsburgh. you got Alfredo Roberts as the tight end coach in Pittsburgh. Dan Morgan, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. I said, I know, man. I'm lucky I can call these folks and get insight with these people. Absolutely. Remember when the Eagles are good. Shit sales. All these guys you mentioned should be rebuilt. Oh, see, you know, I was, I was, I was a dick a couple minutes ago to tone with Denard Wilson. He, 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 he just got me back. Good. Okay. Hey, Hey tone kiss my ass. Okay. As my mom, as my, my wife would say, KMA, KMA. Okay. This guy's getting too good, man. KMA, holy cow. Hey, man, all them dudes you just named off, how come they ain't working at the U? Oh, man. Instead, you got, what was your record? Seven and six? Damn. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you, Travis. <laughs> okay, Travis. Oh, man. All right, before I take a time out here, here are my top ten team. Here are my top ten football players that are going to be in the Super Bowl on Sunday, and I think it's going to shock you. Number ten, Pacheco. I love the way the kid runs. Number nine, George Kittle. Number eight, Fred Warner. Number seven, Debo Samuel. Number six, Christian McCaffrey. Number five, Chris Jones. Number four, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Nick Boza. Number two, Trent Williams. And number one, Mahomes. Yes. I looked down at this list and I said, 
holy shit, where's Brock Purdy? I mean, holy shit, where's Brock Purdy? I mean, how many Kansas City guys? One, two, three, four. And there were six San Francisco guys. I, I swear to you, I looked down and I went, wait a minute. Mahomes one, Trent Williams two, Boza three, Kelsey four, Chris Jones five, McCaffrey six, Debo seven, Fred Warner eight, Kittle nine, and Pacheco ten. Hell, you could put Greenlaw there if you want. Or Ayuk. Where's where's Purdy? Right? I'm like, holy, I, I swear to you, man. I was like, where's Brock Purdy? You think Brock Purdy's 11 or 12? Damn. Is it, I'm saying, well, who's it based on? Impact, sales, or talent? I, I guess I'm looking at talent here. Like, who's the best player? I mean, like this. Is Pacheco? Pacheco's a, he's an important part of Kansas City's offense, isn't he? Like, Kittle is, you know, I think this goes back to the conversation that we have all the time about Brock Purdy. Where would you rank him in his own huddle? David Woodley, that's a pull. That's a pull, my friend. Okay, man, I didn't have. I I'm, I'm like, where where the where the hell is where the Brock Purdy? Crazy. All right, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. 
You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Please hit the like button. By the way, a lot of people on my Twitter page at Dan Silio Show saying this this won't happen when it comes to the Patrick Sertan trade. I say this to you. Well, Tone's right. You're under the gun here, dude, to get this team's Super Bowl window back open again. Your draft choices are not going to turn your team around. Players are. Kool-Aid McKintree is not going to change your fortunes next year. He's not. Patrick Sertan is going to. He validates your entire secondary when he gets on the airplane to come to Philly. Kool-Aid McKintree... Let's see how he looks in two years, three years. Shit, you can't even give me a fair diagnosis on Nolan Smith, Jordan Davis, or Jalen Carter. Think about that for a minute. You can't give me an honest evaluation on Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Kaylee Ringo, Sidney Brown, and you want me to believe that you're going to draft a corner and he's going to have instant impact? when you haven't had instant impact on defense from any rookie except for Jalen Carter? Come on, man. Sounds stupid when you say that. How? I mean, okay. My brother goes, Nolan ain't getting you 14 sacks next year. Yeah, what's four, what's 12, what did 12 sacks get you? The 27th? Worst pass defense in the league. Congratulations. No one else got home. The problem is fans are under the assumption that Hertz will be here for a second contract. That's not a given, as Tone is saying here. Can't assume that. The time is now. The Eagles are under tremendous pressure to win big in the next four-year window with Hertz and that deal while the cap hits are low and manageable. That's why it's been built in that way. What kind of, okay, what kind of food are you going to have for the Super Bowl sales? Purdy wings. <laughs> I like that. Look at you. Look at you guys, man, the way you're still picking on that poor guy. See, your draft choices ain't, ain't going to turn it around for you. They're just not. They're going to turn it around for you, man. Players are. The kid, like I said, You get the kid, Gay Jr., from Kansas City. I don't know if they'll let him walk out the building. You put him there, you get Cunningham. 
you get Sertan, you 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 uh, sign an edge rusher, you draft a couple guys, and you draft for depth. See, Howie needs to draft for depth, not starters on defense, because he can't do it. Let him. You know what? He's better in the later rounds anyway. That's what his philosophy should be. Hey, man, I'm not very good on defense. And until he passes that baton, he's not going to be very good on defense. All right. Appreciate you guys today. You guys were sensational. I want to thank you very much for coming aboard today. You guys were great. Xander, Big Joe, we appreciate it. Tone's, Tone's very sneaky. Uh, he's becoming very sneaky now. You know, I threw a shot at him earlier. You know, you know, now we just got to coach him up. Yeah, well, you had the guy. Come on, man. I named Dan Morgan. I named Alonzo Highsmith. All these guys. He goes, well, shit, dude. How come they ain't at Miami helping build that bitch? Touche. <laughs> I say it with love. Touche. Tone, way to go, brother. I love you, man, very much. Two to six tomorrow, and we shall see you on the flip side.